Hello, I'm Tom. And you're listening to Sunglasses at Night podcast episode, I think, 15? It's 1996. It is 1996. Just in case you haven't listened before, this is the podcast where we look back through our metaphorical Ray-Bans at a year in musical history via the Australian Recording Industry Association charts, also known as the Arias, and ask what the hell was going on. Absolutely right. Now, 1996, um, we've decided to do something where we try and paint a picture of the year just in case so you can put some yeah. context to these songs. Um, have you got any news, Tom, any of anything that someone might be able to go, sure. oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, 1996, uh, around the world, uh, in Britain, a bunch of cows started acting really weird. Mm. Turned out they were crazy bonkers. Uh, and then they all had to be set on fire in a less hilarious <laughs> uh, a bunch of scientists started acting weird and cloned a sheep. Yep. Global warming climbed to a record temperature, so everyone pulled their socks up and fixed the problem, so that's all sorted, so we don't have to worry about it. That was a good thing that they did. That's good. Um, and a new report uh, from America revealed that approximately 45 million people were now using the internet. Wow. Or, as we'd call it today, one day's views from a viral TikTok about sticking milk crates up your ass in time to reanimate or <laughs> some shit like that. So, yeah. That's true. It was all go. Absolutely right. So, 40, so 45 million people use the internet. Wow. At the time. At and the that time. seemed like a lot back then. We were still wondering whether this crazy electronic mail thing was going to be a fad like Pac-Man. Absolutely. But you're absolutely gonna... right. I mean, someone standing on top of a fridge on TikTok <laughs> will get that many views these days. Oh, look at that. He's on a fridge. He's crazy. Oh, yeah. um, absolutely. But getting back to... So Mad Cow, um, you did mention that in BSE. Mm-hmm. Um, so that... Yeah, because I remember that was a big thing because obviously um, the cows went mad. They had to burn them all. I think it spread to some people. Mm. And people, uh, obviously Mad Cow, for those that don't know, it sort of, I guess, it would affect your brain. Your brain would slowly rot your spine Mm, and eventually you would die. And I guess the brain rottage explains some of the songs that made it to number (laughs) one this year. So it's all falling into place. Didn't know before, but now that you've mentioned BSE, um, Mm. a lot of these songs are making a lot more sense. That's true. For sure, I guess it is it like was it like syphilis a little bit? <laughs> Not sexually transmitted, but your brain did rot a bit. Um, the uh, biggest film of the year, Tom, Independence Day. Ah, uh, wow. yes, that was huge. Yeah, really good, uh, great film. Will Smith. Um, he didn't do a rap for that one. He usually, mm. you know, he does the it's Man weird. in Black or uh, you know Wild Wild West or whatever bullshit. He didn't do magic managed. Wiki Wiki Independence oh, Day. Wiki Wiki Independence Day. Something about punching aliens and everyone <laughs> would have loved it. And I love how well that film has aged because for those that um, if you haven't seen Independence Day, um, spoiler alert, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do that thing where you don't talk about the plot. Um, because you've had twenty five years, let's mm. face it. If you haven't seen it by now, you're gonna watch it. But um, at the end of Independence Day, obviously to overcome the aliens, they have to insert a, a computer virus into their spaceships. Yes. And fortunately the uh, the alien spaceships had a sort of three and a half inch floppy disk drive yes. sort of in the spaceship that they could put the virus, upload it in there and get the it going. The alien mothership so. was Mac compatible. It was Mac compatible as well. So, um, but look, everyone suspended their disbelief there and just went, it's okay, it's fine, no problem. Uh, Will Smith can punch an alien in the face, he can do that. And who was the president in that? Was it a... Uh, it was Bill Pullman. Good, that's yes. good. And Great president. Yeah. It's it would have been funny if he was the actual president now in twenty twenty one because that's sort of that's the way the world's going. Would have been you're a, relief, you're a... frankly because he'd be better than any. <laughs> in fact, pretty much any actor from American TV 
slash movie history that you can think of who has played the president yep. would be better than the current than actual the presidents. Three or four of them. And I include uh, the black I include what's his name? Terry Terry Crews from Idiocracy, <laughs> who is an ex-wrestler who's fond of punctuating uh, presidential decrees in Congress by firing a machine gun into the air. Yeah, absolutely. Look, how far away are we from seeing a president that was a former wrestler, do you think, in the US? Well, they've already had a governor of... Um, what yep. was that? Of yeah. California. Oh, no, Jesse Ventura, Jesse wasn't Ventura, it? Yeah, that's yeah. true. So it's, you're right, it's the next step. Um, I'd like to see The Rock, I think, as president. <laughs> I think he would I, do a I great job. I could actually believe that. Although, is he was he born in America? Is he Hawaiian? We'll find out. I think I he might we be, will. but we. I think he I think he was Sorry. born in America, but we best be confirm that because, yes, yeah, certainly um, I'd, I'd hate to hitch myself to The Rock for 2024 <laughs> only to find out that he's not, com- not I, eligible. So. I'm pretty sure that Arnie would have made a run. If he if he'd been allowed to, oh, absolutely right. Oh, pretty absolutely. much, he got as about as close as he could. He married a Kennedy. Yeah, you know? I think, um, and that's you know, I don't want to comment a lot about the American um, sort of their laws and whatever because they're all completely crazy and make no sense. But that one, I'd love to see it change because I think, yeah, you're right. You know, just because you're born overseas, <laughs> you should be able to be president of America. Um, sure. Yeah. Although sometimes I wish that we had the same thing in Australia because it would have ruled out, you know. A lot of our former <laughs> prime ministers, Tony Abbott, for example. But um, oh, yeah. was he not born in Australia? I think he's born in England or something. So yeah, we could have, we could have struck a few out um, just based off that. But alas, anyway. Uh, yeah, sorry. And other cultural news, just quickly. Um, after pretending to be a true blue gangster for years, middle class musician Tupac Shakur achieved the highest honor of getting shot in a drive-by by corrupt cops with oh. gang connections, probably. Uh, in less trashy news, Janet Jackson became the highest paid musician in history when she signed an $80 million deal with Virgin Records. And unusually for one of those deals, she even had some hits afterwards. So, yeah. <laughs> Do you think so uh, they, they were able a few, to... a few hits for their $80 million. Yeah, were they able to recruit? Money. That's $80 million in 1996 dollars too, you know. Yeah. Jesus. Look, um... Pre-recession dollars. Now, Tom, people might say they lost out big on that because there's no way that they would have recouped $80 million off Janet Jackson. But remember, um, Janet Jackson and Michael Jackson are the same person. Uh, Michael Jackson <laughs> faked his own death. So I keep forgetting he, she's, scientific Mike, theory she's him now. So effectively... <laughs> So he's doing all the stuff, writing all the songs, etc. So they'll probably get that money back, I guess. So that's all right. Sure. Um, so yeah, should we move on to the music? Or sure. Gonna, no, yeah. no, that's fine. I had one thing. I was. This was the year that Triple J arrived in Launceston. Shit. Uh, which meant that we didn't have to listen to Seven LA anymore. Yeah. I was going to try and bring up a list of Seven LA playlists so you could show what. I could show what we were missing out on having now had a radio station that played music for people under 65, but I couldn't find any. It's really hard to find old Australian chart stuff. Yeah. Oh, look, so it seems that... um we were Outside getting, of the Arias, I mean. It's hard yeah. to find radio station playlists. Oh, look, so for those in Launceston, they were getting less LaBouche and more Presidents of the United States of America. Oh, so not even that. No, deal. no, that's way too grungy and rock. They, <laughs> they were still playing Bat Out of Hell 1, and that was the rock That was the rock section in the evening. Yep. You were more likely to win a rose for requesting, I don't know, fucking Celine Dion or something equally... Look, I think I, I definitely probably sent a request in the 7 LA with um, Tom Cochran, Life as a Highway, on the back of the envelope, <laughs> and I did win that Will's Music Bar 
uh, voucher, so that was it was well worth. Nobody it, so. else cares about this. <laughs> no, not at all. Let's move let's on. Get let's on. get into yeah, niche Launceston based uh, <laughs> stuff. People probably don't give two shits about. Um, so yeah, nineteen ninety six. Week one for two more weeks, um, following on from 1995, two more weeks of Gangster's Paradise, Tom. Yeah. So people said 11 weeks in 1995 is not enough. <laughs> we need two more God, in 1996, 13, 13 weeks. weeks. Um, so that was good stuff. Yeah. I, I remember last week, I just forgot that we did things like um, the Spotify and the Discogs. <laughs> remember, I just forgot yes. that. Yep. Like as if the break that we'd had from doing this of two months, I'd completely forgotten um, all of those those great things that you know, and that I get so many emails, Tom, and letters, and and things from fans on the TikTok, on the Twitter, saying I really like it when you tell us how many people listen to this on Spotify. <laughs> so, um, absolutely. So, look, uh, I have gone back. Coolio, eight million per wow. month monthly listeners on Spotify. You got to remember that Gangsters, yeah, Gangsters Paradise as well. You remember it's Coolio featuring LV. Hmm. It's not as Coolio, it's Coolio featuring LV. Coolio, 8 million. LV has 21,000. Yeah. So he has not quite boated as well um, from this. So I assume that uh, Coolio made all the cash. LV, he's probably still DJing somewhere, <laughs> probably in Launceston. What Stanford Large? I can't recall. It was Large Volume. Yeah, I think it was. Something. That yes. sounds about right, yeah. So Coolio and LV... Both got a lot of listeners. Well, not LV. Coolio does. And you can pick this up for two cents on Discogs sure. because they would have printed about a billion of these, I'd 100%. say. So, yeah. absolutely. You could you could build the information superhighway <laughs> on the crushed Coolio CDs if that was required. So, there you go. So, um, that was two weeks. Moving on 20th of January for two weeks. This is the first new number one of the year. George Michael, who's a fan, is a favourite on the show. We speak it about George a lot. pop up a lot. Talk about George a lot. This one is Jesus to a child. Hmm. Now, Tom, um, this one, look, he talks, the lyrics to this song are sort of unusual. He does sort of mention in there that uh, the lyrics are, you smiled at me like Jesus to a child. Now, this raises the question, was, you know, Jesus is known for a lot of things, um, rising, you know, from the dead, walking on water, you know, well, you know, these aren't things he really did, you know, his <laughs> PR department, Jesus's PR crew were able to convince people to sure. put in his biography that he was, you know, rose from the dead, walked on water, you know, Good the fish the yep. fish and the you know, all the, the, the loaves and the fishes. I think he cured some blind kid or some shit like that. Um, but not no mention of him smiling at children a lot. But George Michael has put those lyrics in here. He said, he you know, so I assume that George Michael, he's done the research like Dan Brown did for the Da Vinci Code, and he realizes that one of Jesus's big things was that he smiled a lot of children. Mm-hmm. That's what he's known for. George Michael said Jesus is known for smiling at children. Now, Interestingly, I, you know, I've looked on the internet and people tend to say there's only five types of people that smile at children a lot. <laughs> Parents, uncles or aunts and other family members, teachers, children's doctors and pedophiles. Mm. Now, I don't know um, what George Mike was trying to say here, what he's <laughs> implying, but I think what he's trying to say is that, look, Jesus wasn't a father as, as, as were, you know, I don't think so. He didn't have any brothers or sisters. He wasn't an uncle. Definitely wasn't a teacher or a sports coach for kids or a kid's doctor. So I'm not saying that Jesus was a pedophile, but I think that's what George Michael was implying that he is. <laughs> well, is perhaps that, George Michael knew something that we don't. I think so. I think so. And look, we, we know a lot more about child grooming these days than we did back 2,000 years ago. <laughs> People on the internet grooming children are always, you know, pretending to be something they're not. 
you know, much, you know, these days you see those people that are like, I'm the new Jesus, mm. you know, they're not obviously, or, you know, cult leaders, they're pretending to have some sort of connection to God. And it seems like a pretty good ruse, doesn't it? Like, you know, for Jesus to just say, God's my dad, mm. you know, I can do you favors. Exactly right. So I think, you know, the new Jesus is they're all in it for the chicks and the cash um, and generally sex with underage people. And it sounds like to me that Jesus was actually just the original fake Jesus, <laughs> if that makes sense. So, see, yeah. you know, every Jesus that comes out today convincing. that says, I'm the new Jesus, they're <laughs> fake. They're not real. No one's a real Jesus. And I think that the OG Jesus in the Bible, that guy, mm. he's just the fake Jesus as well. So I think so. He's smiling a lot of children. Um, so it's all pretty sketchy. I don't really... I think George Michael was sort of basically written this song. He was. I mean, when you think about it, George Michael was extremely good at grooming himself. Exactly. So maybe he could recognise grooming when he saw it happening. He certainly could. I think like so. Like in the Catholic Church, for instance. Well, definitely. I mean, I think that goes without saying. So this song, um, look, I think it's a pretty hard pill to swallow for, for yeah, fans out there. It's hell sort of, boring. It's, it sucks. It's another one of those 90s songs that reminds you of how much fun power ballads were. It's kind of like a sort of piss-weak, low-tempo, vaguely Latin-tinged thing that you just forget pretty much instantly. After. Yeah, and it doesn't fill me with any joy to say this because, as I mentioned, we're big George Michael fans here. We've enjoyed his work. Um, Faith, you know, Careless yeah, Whisper with a saxophone. great pop A lot songs. of great, you know, and even... Dancey, danceable songs. Absolutely, even his songs. wham shit, Wake Me Up Before yeah. You Go-Go, um, you know, Last Christmas, which is one of yes. my favourite Christmas songs. But he doesn't have the... Like, when you compare him to someone like Whitney Houston who started off doing pop and then got more, you know... Ballady. Yeah, he doesn't have the voice to really pull this off. It's just very low, low tempo. Like it doesn't build to anything. He just kind of sings at about the same level all the way through the song, and you know, yeah, exactly. Look, so this song, um, boring as all hell, but it does expose Jesus as a pedophile. So that's <laughs> one probably good I mean, thing about it. Um, so yeah, I think that is really, really important. So you know. Um, I guess look, Christianity has a pretty bad track record, don't they, really, with the Catholic Church sure and, and Catholic education. Discuss the current strain of the year. Um, yeah, or ask the Prime Minister of Australia, whose spiritual advisor covered up his own dad's serial pedophilia, but remains the head of the globally famous Hillsong Church. Mm. And I, as if I even need to say it, none of those people went to jail, obviously, in case I... Mm-hmm. Even need to mention that when talking about a rapist connected to Scott Morrison. But, <laughs> Certainly. Yeah. So, you know, remember, if you go to Hillsong, you're directly funding. <laughs> you are, absolutely. Pedophile. Absolutely right, absolutely. And it's good that George Michael had brought these things to light before he passed away. He had mm. he, he knew these secrets, he exposed yes. them. And yes. George Michael, I think, you know, what's that? It was a real national treasure thing, except with pedophilia instead uh, yeah. of the Constitution well, I, of America. Well, there was that film a few years ago that won an Academy Award, didn't it, about, was it the Washington Post sort of um, uh, did yeah. Spotlight or something? Yes. So writing, yep. Yeah, so exposing this sort of stuff. I think George Michael should get some sort of Academy Award. Um, <laughs> I think, you know, because he's exposing stuff. And also, I'd just like to see a film of his life. I think someone should... I would like to see that as well. I think... If you if you avoided the fucking Freddie Mercury route and yep. did the uh, the Elton John version where you're allowed to just kind of take the piss as yep. well and show him as you know a bit trashy and a bit you know silly as well, it could be really fun because you oh, know yeah. what a what a weird, what an interesting time you would have lived through. You know? I would cast Nicolas Cage <laughs> as George Michael. Does that work for you? <laughs> 
Or it doesn't. <laughs> You'd need to get one of those extremely convincing wigs that he often wears. <laughs> he loves them. Uh, Anything well, else for this, Tom? In what do you an got interview from him? with People magazine, yep. George Michael stated that Jesus to a Child was one of the two songs he was most proud of as a solo artist, the other one being You Have Been Loved. He said that he went through an awful lot of emotional pain to write them. And I know how he felt because I went through a lot of emotional pain having to listen to them because they both suck ass, yep. which I don't enjoy saying no. because lyrically he's talking about his partner who died of AIDS in 1993. That's what this song is about. Is it? Yeah, that's, that is what he's talking about. He's, he's, just, he's describing his partner looking at him, um, you know, when he visits him in hospital. Oh, so why, I won't why take didn't you the tell me that before I just <laughs> sort of did the whole... Well, the lyrics are very earnest, as you'd expect, and I guess whether or not they succeed depends on how much you want to be looked at like Jesus to a child. Yeah. So, yeah, he basically okay, spends nice. the entire song trying to describe one look, and, uh, yeah, like whether they work or not depends on whether you think that um, it works lyrically, you know, as what he's trying to describe, but he obviously, it obviously meant a lot to him anyway. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but as we'll see later on this year, uh, he clearly had some other issues that he managed to work out on the dance floor. So, you know, <laughs> he didn't hang around moping too long. Certainly didn't. So he that's must that's have, correct. Know. That is absolutely But still, correct. that must have sucked. And also, it must have really sucked even more back in that time because, again, he's, st- he's still not openly gay at this point. No. So you have to watch your partner die without even being allowed to, you know, publicly you know, mourn him or anything. I mean, that sucks. Absolutely. And that was sort of, um, yeah, I mean, look, we talked about George, uh, you know, not being able to be openly gay in the, in the early eighties. And here we are 10 years on and it's still the same situation. So definitely it is. That was a bit of a downer. It's a bit of a downer, (laughs) but, um, you know, spotlight on an important issue. So it's good. On an equally solemn, uh, um, oh, sorry. Full tone. Let's... 14 million oh, yeah, on yeah. Spotify. He's, He's got, got a lot. 46 yeah. cents for this. So he there you go. He, he did, absolutely. So well, RIP George. He fitted a lot into it anyway. Definitely. Up next for six weeks, um, uh, Mr. Lover Lover himself, <laughs> Tom Shaggy uh, with Boombastic. Yeah. Um, you're a big, big Shaggy fan? <laughs> I feel like I'm missing something with Shaggy but yeah, look, maybe I'm too white maybe I'm not Jamaican enough I don't know yeah look the lyrics of this song start off with she calls me Mr. Boombastic Mr. Fantastic do you think anyone has ever called anyone ever Mr. Boombastic not just Shaggy but do you reckon no no I, 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 that's the part of this song I find hard to believe <laughs> the other parts about you know Mr. Fantastic yep buy that all the other every other lyric in the song I can believe but I'm she bo- calls me Mr. Boombastic I'm like I'm not on board with that I, I'm thinking that maybe the original version of the song when he was writing it was she calls me Mr. Fantastic mm. but he couldn't think of a single word that rhymed with fantastic so then he had to make one up and Boombastic you know, yeah worked yeah. backwards from fantastic that's probably or right perhaps he heard the term bombastic and thought that it was boombastic which yep. isn't Mr. Boombastic anyway look <laughs> um, it's probably the only song that I know of and look you know I, I can't have confess to have listened to every song that's ever been recorded I've listened to a lot but this is one of the few songs that I know that has the line uh, well you are the bun and me the cheese <laughs> what does it mean is that's it very true. literal yeah I mean it doesn't even really work as a sexual metaphor does it you are the bun <laughs> and I am the cheese and then he says something about you're the rice and I'm the peas I think yeah I hope so <laughs> I hope he rhymes cheese with peas but <laughs> Um, look, it works for me. It works for me. 
do, it, you know, can you get away if you meet someone that you're in a relationship with, or sorry, you meet someone that you would like to be in a relationship with, and you say you're the bun? Is that would they take that as a compliment? I think so. It depends if it's one of those KFC buns that comes in like a three piece mm. feed that's quite soft and pillowy and genuinely delicious. You take that as a compliment, but if it's a four day old sort of stale. Baker's Delight type bun, you may take offence at that. So I don't know which way Shaggy was playing, but I assume it would be sort of a, a soft, maybe a brioche type bun. That's yeah. the bun that I picture when Shaggy is referring to someone as a as a as a bun. Uh, definitely a brioche, something French. Definitely brioche. Um, Two thousand seven, he received the Jamaican Order of Distinction with the rank of Commander. Okay. Um, because you know he spent some time in the military, I believe. Uh, I think he was he in the Marines, Tom. Is I that... think so. Yes. I mean, I think reading between the lines, I think this is basically a guy who joined the Marines so he could get laid. Yes, correct. And in, <laughs> in this video of a song about how ratty is at picking up chicks, uh, he's still dressed like the token black friend from American Pie Six, Stifler's <laughs> funeral <laughs> fuck down. The nineties were a great time, Ben. They really were, provided you owned a factory that produced XXXL collarless flannel shirts with only one button at nipple height. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you would be laughing all the way to the bank Absolutely while right. dragging along the ground because yeah. your shirt was so big. But you saved money on buttons, and that was the thing, that those manufacturers... <laughs> what, I, what I'm trying to say is that he joined the, the Marines so he could wear a cool uniform, and then in this video he still looks like a backup dancer from a music video <laughs> of, you know, She's All That or something Absolutely. like that. Absolutely. Look, yeah, I there's a, an SBS um, Vice uh, so you can watch on YouTube as well called the story of, and they do an episode on Shaggy's, um, <laughs> not this song, but uh, It Wasn't Me, which oh, um, yeah, we may yeah. get to talk about in the future, <laughs> I think, Tom, I have a feeling. But in that, yeah, they asked Shaggy, you know, what happened? He said, oh, I was living, I'd moved from Jamaica to Brooklyn. I was living yes, in Brooklyn at the born time. In Jamaica. Um, had a few friends um, that had sort of, because of the crack epidemic, had sort of got caught up, I think, in maybe selling drugs or whatever, and some of them yep. went to prison. So Shaggy was like, I just wanted to get as far away from that as possible. So I went, um, I thought maybe I should sign up to be a Marine. Went into the office, saw the uniform and thought, yeah, I can get laid in this and then signed <laughs> up. So it was effectively, you're right, Tom, I think he, he joined the Marines um, just to, to bang chicks. And I think that's probably the best reason to join the Marines, isn't it? Yeah, I'd say so. Not to I'd sort of say. fight wars or, you know, take down terrorists or anything like that. So, that's you know, right. but Shaggy was on top um, of his game right there with this song and... People, I think, didn't realise um, that his, his actual his name wasn't Shaggy. It was um, Orville Burrell. Well, and now, suddenly Shaggy makes a bit more sense, doesn't it? <laughs> do, you think, do you think, would he have been a successful sticking with that name? <laughs> Orville Burrell. I think Shaggy, no. I think, yeah, you've got to choose. And he's, he's gone for the one name as well, sort of like a <laughs> Sure style thing, which is pretty good. Um but yeah, I find, I don't know, did, have, have you, I didn't do any research because I'm too lazy, like where the name Shaggy came from. Do no, you know? no idea. Um, anyway, it suits him well. I can't imagine calling him anything else. Because he likes Shaggy, so. I guess. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, this song was the theme to a popular claymation Levi's ad in the UK at this time. Mm, mm, um, I believe that. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, I, th- I don't know whether that, Increase the sale of jeans or decrease the sale of jeans? It is a sort of cartoony song. Even in the video where he's trying to look sexy, it just doesn't really suit the song particularly. It's too sort of bouncy and boink, boink, boink. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So look, um, 
we'll talk about this probably. I've got some notes here about his future, but I feel like we might we might have to talk about Shaggy more in the future. So maybe I shouldn't talk about all this, but I will say that um, a few years after this, Shaggy got dropped by his label Virgin after this song because mm-hmm. um, they felt that he was unlikely to release another song as successful as Boombastic. They yep. said, you're done. You know, you're not going to do anything as good as this. So they got rid of him. Um, and then he signed with DreamWorks, released the album Hot Shot, and that sold 10 million copies. So mm, Good one, Branson. Go. Yeah, Branson. Fake astronaut. <laughs> he's, he's dropped the ball again, hasn't he? <laughs> I think he could have he could have gone to... If he had kept Shaggy, he could have gone into space five yeah. years ago. He could have been living on Mars now, but, you know, he fucked it. So um, I did find Shaggy, he'd... I don't know. I mean, I guess it's a different thing for rappers because they're very into the collaboration type mm. stuff. But Shaggy would... He might possibly be up there for an award for most collaborated artist. He's got at least 82 separate single collaboration Does he? songs. Yeah, not that's not just... They, those are singles. These wow. aren't even... And this isn't even getting started on albums that he's worked on and stuff. What's, what's your favourite Shaggy collaboration? <laughs> Oh, there's so many, Tom. Um, <laughs> We've actually talked about more than one on this already. I'm well, just struggling to remember. There was oh yeah, he he did he did um, he did fucking I've got you, babe, with Meryl Bainbridge <laughs> on her, her follow up to that one hit song that she had. Was it when it, mouth? Yeah, yeah, that's definitely my Shaggy and Meryl Bainbridge is um, certainly that's peak nineties. I think that's I'm a good a one. But uh, look, I think. I, I like all his collaborations, Tom, just because, especially later on, he does collaborations where he's the lead artist, but he gets the other guy to do 95% of the work. Yes, which is, which exactly. Is, I, That's I love my that. favourite. He just he, sits up the back and just goes, Mr. Lover, Lover, please. And so he gets all the cash, and it's sort of he just outsources it, so that's good. What about you, Tom? You got a favourite? I'm a big fan of Mijuli with Ali G. Bromance 2K18 remix with Mark Mysterio, and two separate collaborations with Sting, uh, don't make me wait and silent night brackets Christmas is coming both of which definitely aren't about tantric sex get your mind out of the gutter that's not what they're about but yeah and lyrically by the standards of Shaggy lyrics this is surprisingly unfilthy yeah it's actually kind of it's just a guy sort of trying to pick up a girl yeah by telling her how great you are that's hardly unusual but yeah uh, like say verse 2 Girl, you captivate my body, you put me under a spell with your couscous perfume, I love your sweet smell, you're the only young girl who can ring my bell and I can take rejection, so you tell me, go to hell. Mm. So she tells him to fuck off, but in grand romantic tradition, he keeps hassling her for checks notes, six more verses, yep. and then the next day she catches him banging the neighbour on the bathroom floor. Yep. Mm. <laughs> so that's, right. that's the shaggy method. It is a shaggy method, and that's okay, but I find that less creepy than, um, was it Boris Gardner from a few episodes about <laughs> the guy that just followed a chick round all Yeah, at least he's walking up to the girl and saying, let's have sex, yeah, instead exactly. of following her with the high-powered infrared night vision goggles. Absolutely. Look, I'm, I'm a big fan of Shaggy just for bringing um, what some of that the old uh, dance hall vibe style into the pop charts um, yeah that's true what, what struck me about listening to this was it is it's slow it's yep. quite slow like it's got that kind of gr- that sort of grind that sort of dance hall yep. ragga grind thing so I mean it's got there's some something authentic there it was probably the first thing like that most white people had heard certainly me like yeah certainly right yeah, absolutely um, so Shaggy's got 12 mil on the on the Spotify to this day monthly listeners wow. on Spotify 12 million he so. must have a big audience at home I mean he's still going oh, like he's, he's still that like that 
one I was joking about, that was the 2018 remix. Yeah. Like he's still dropping, dropping hits. Absolutely. And look, yeah, you might not hear him that often because in the songs that he does sing, he usually has another guy doing most of it. So oh, yeah. And there was actually no as well. Yeah. They said like last year, Rihanna called him up. He said uh, in some interview, he said, Rihanna called me up and asked if I wanted to collaborate with her. And I said, no, nah, I'll leave that to the young guys. He's oh. like 53 now. Yep. He's, still talk- he's still doing music, but like, you know, I thought that was pretty cool. Absolutely right. Give a young person a chance. Uh, yeah. For sure. Good on you, Shaggy. I appreciate that. Um, and you can get a copy of this for 23 cents on Discogs. So. It's more than I would have thought. Absolutely. But, sure. but uh, look, it's, um, yeah, it's a good stocking stuff. Listeners. That's a lot. It is, yep. He's got a lot of hits. People love the Shaggy. Sure. So it was right. for two weeks. Um, up next, 10th of Feb for one week, Oasis, oh, Wonderwall. Fuck, that was massive. Now, Tom, which side of the fence did you fall in the Britpop <laughs> battle? Were you a Blur man or were you an Oasis man? I preferred Blur, mm-hmm. although if I ever hear that woohoo song ever again, I'm going to drop punt the nearest British tourist directly into a karaoke machine. That's fair enough. That's um, fair enough. But yeah, I, yeah, Oasis just seemed... So up themselves. Yep. You know. Oh, look, it seems stupid as fuck now, but there was a legit, well, we can true. only like one <laughs> band or the other. It was, was I mean, like it, it wasn't just, it wasn't just a record, it wasn't just a, a media thing. The right. record companies actually put, they would aim their singles to come out at the same time. So it would turn into like a thing and then their yep. fans would go and buy more to try, you know, like it was, yeah. For two bands whose music was um, relatively similar in, I'm not going to say identical, but similar-ish in, they'd fall under the same sort of umbrella. Yeah, um, it was Britpop. I, I would have just, the height of the Britpop. I would have just assumed that one might enjoy both bands. <laughs> well, <laughs> most, pe- most people probably do. Yeah, but um, yeah, absolutely. Maybe the, maybe the Britpop battle was um, a little bit more overplayed in the media than in reality, I'm not sure. Or it probably wasn't quite, you know, wasn't quite 1066, was it? I guess we're sort of <laughs> no. fighting for the future of your country or anything. But yeah, maybe it was. I don't know. Look, I think I, I like Oasis. I've got some, you know, legitimately good songs. Um, yeah. You know, Champagne Supernova, Don't Look Back in Anger, the good stuff. But you're right. The brothers, extraordinarily arrogant, <laughs> which yes. is sort of can, be, can detract for they some were, people. They were ac- from like, I mean, it's easy to look at them now and think of them as these like kind of weather beaten old rock stars who've been through it all but they were acting like that from day one oh, yeah. they were acting like that had 10 Beatles level albums halfway through the release of their first album like it was like it's not just that they wanted to be musicians they wanted to be rock stars and live that exact life that they'd seen on the TV yep. and stuff but yeah but they did they did get a long way because they were like you say like they were like Noel Gallagher was always good for an interview. Like yes. he was always like the brains of the outfit. So they 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 managed to do that thing of like by acting very stupidly. Then when they did smart things, people would go, "Oh well, they're cleverer than they look." You know, they, yep. <laughs> it's like well, good because they look like a couple of monkeys that have been put into polar fleeces and <laughs> like nylon anoraks tend to go and watch trains go under a bridge for a hobby or something like that. Definitely. With a copy of Loaded rolled up sticking in their back pocket. (laughs) Since the band's broken up, though, I think um, Noel Galley has just made a career out of shitting on his brother for 20 years. So I think that's sort of of funny in itself, I guess. Um, And there's Noel Gallagher doing the video commentary on the Oasis DVD, um, which is legitimately quite funny. But um, like I said, I've never heard him give a bad interview. No, no. Even when he's like visibly hungover as fuck. Definitely. Well, that's what this is. Someone as uh, 
I've not seen the whole thing, but somebody's take watch the the video, the audio commentary on the Oasis, which just has all their music videos, oh, yeah. and it's just him commentating over all the videos. Someone's <laughs> edited the bits together, put it together, and it's just him just going, "Yeah, oh, I was fucking drunk in this. I can't, <laughs> I can't remember any of this." And, he, and then the song would come, and he's just like, "Fucking hell, this is bullshit. This is so shit." And just talks about how every time he makes a music video, the director thinks they're making Apocalypse Now, but it's just always some bullshit, and he hates it, and how. He would just suggest the stupidest shit and then they'd do it and it's just like going, oh, this is fucking... Yep. So it's quite funny, I think, if you want to check that out. They, so, did, yeah. a, they did a world tour shortly after this. Yeah. Um, this, they, this was like... This was, this would suggest... This was big in Australia. I mean, this is the mainstream charts, but they were big on... Like, they won the Triple J Hottest 100 that year. Like, oh, they were for this much song, bigger yeah. on the... You know, they, they sort of became a bit more mainstream. So this is, like, this, this is interesting because that's a, this is a crossover song where it's number one on the ARIA charts, but also the most popular song on Triple J. For yes, me. yeah. Like, it was a sort of... They were kind of... It's like, I mean, it's a very traditional sort of yeah. basic pop song. It is. But it also... They had that kind of, you know, sort of alternative appeal as well like a lot of the Britpop stuff like Blur as well yeah and yeah and then they toured Australia and they gave a famously shit series of concerts which I have never seen but yeah their big one I think it was in Sydney or something and then years later he was on the radio and they asked him about it was it was doing some interview with Australian radio probably Triple J and he said yeah and he said, what happened at the guy said what happened at that concert and he said ah he said I feel really bad about that but like we it was like we'd just arrived in Australia and we'd we'd gone back to the hotel room and we had a few drinks and then the record label rang us up and told us that we'd just gotten we'd just signed some deal in America in with some American label and we we were officially now like millionaires like they just that signed us it was like five million pounds or something oh, wow. so we we're all so like it just we just were completely unmotivated to give <laughs> so we all got massively fucked up that night of course because yeah. we just found out we're millionaires and then we're like we just really weren't that invested in the rest of the tour like it wasn't just Australia it was just like the rest yeah. of the tour was just a mess so you know like at least he's sort of honest about these things like he doesn't like <laughs> pretend to be you know yeah absolutely and look you can't if someone said look here's you've just got a couple of million dollars and then you got to go on stage now you're probably going to be like <laughs> or in an hour you're probably going to be like you're excited yeah probably yeah get get pissed i would so um but the thing interesting thing about oasis is obviously you know there's the gallagher brothers uh liam and noel but there's other people in this band Tom. but i don't know don't hear about them, what their you? names are what they look like, who they are. If you came up to me and said, I used to be an Oasis, Tom, I'd probably believe you. If someone <laughs> held a gun to my yeah. head and said, you got to name the other two members of Oasis or even tell me anything about them, like the no other, idea. The other three members of the Sex Pistols, you know, if there's anyone else in the Pet Shop Boys, I don't know who that is. <laughs> exactly. So I feel bad for those other dudes. They're sort of in the background. But if mm. they've got those millions of pounds, then sure. maybe they don't care because they can probably still go into the Tesco and do their shopping and oh, not get stopped and well. be like, you know, Noel Gallagher can't do that. He's hassled out by fans. But That's if you're true. the bass player or the drummer in Oasis, you can probably just live a pretty regular life. So that's okay. Um, so the album from which this appeared was What's the Story Morning Glory, mm-hmm. uh, which was released on Creation Records and sold 22 million copies. So yeah, that, that, that did pretty well. Yeah. Um, now, it was claimed that, and somewhat rebutted, I think, in recent years, that the uh, My Bloody Valentine album, Loveless, uh, which took two years to make, 
almost bankrupted creation records. Apparently they spent so much money on this, the record label almost folded, almost went bankrupt because this yep. band just blew all their cash on producing this album. But I think they're probably able to recoup some of the costs um, after selling 22 million Oasis <laughs> albums. So I think you're probably all right. And in many ways, Oasis was probably, that cash was then able to go and subsidize some other more dog shit releases that the label <laughs> did in future years once I think the drugs took hold, Tom. What mm. else you got for me? Um, uh, not a lot really. Uh, mm. yeah. I just thought, yeah, it is weird that they were this band that seemed to exist on the tension between the brothers. Yeah. You know, I mean, they both, after this, after Oasis folded, they both went off and did side projects when they couldn't finally work together without just starting actual fist fights on stage. Uh, Noel did High Flying Birds and Liam went off to a band called Beady Eye. Mm. And they were both legitimately pretty good. They were, they sold a lot of records. They were critically acclaimed acts. But neither of them had that spark that Oasis had, even when they were being, you know, just wankers. Like, yep. I mean, do bands need to be punching on to create their best work? Oh, I, th- I think definitely they do, Tom. I think from what I understand, all three members um, in Hanson, their brothers, <laughs> they get on quite well and that's why their music's fucking dog shit. Mm. So I think you need that tension. That's I need true. that. And Bross, I think Bross fought a lot. <laughs> and um, When Will I Be Famous still holds up today. Fantastic. So still I think you're right. You need that tension. Um, yeah. Are there any lyrical highlights for this song? Um, everyone already knows sure Everyone knows this. all the words, so yeah. I mean, you could say that that's a good thing because it shows how sort of effortlessly sing-alongable most of his lyrics were. Yep. You know, but on the other hand, like a lot of his lyrics, they seem more interested in rolling off the tongue than actually meaning much. Yep. For instance, you know, things like all the roads we have to walk are winding and all the lights that lead us there are blinding. Like, does that mean anything or is that just the only light-based adjective you could think of that rhymed with winding? Yeah. There are many things that I would like to say to you, but I don't know how. Yep. And why not? And what are the things? And who the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. And what the fuck does that have to do with a wonder wall? Whatever what is the fuck it, what that is a wonder wall? Well, I can answer that question I because can. the rest of them certainly aren't in the song. Uh, the song was originally called Wishing Stone, but uh. Noel later changed it to Wonder Wall, which comes from the title of a George Harrison soundtrack album. Sorry, Ben, I know you get furiously angry yep. when I suggest that Oasis were borrowing shit from I the do. Beatles, but there you are. <laughs> <laughs> you certainly wouldn't get it from the video to the song where Liam sings the entire thing sitting down with a John Lennon haircut and John Lennon sunglasses indoors, the mono-brown, mad Cunian twat. But, yeah. Yeah, look, I, I think um, maybe, yeah, you probably do end up borrowing a bit from... The, maybe everyone just ends up borrowing something from the Beatles at some stage. Oh, totally. So, I'm not saying, but, I mean, it was, you know, it's... It's borderline. Yeah. But <laughs> borderline play not, not not plagiarism, it's just like yeah. Yeah, for sure. When um, somebody loves something so much that it starts to get a bit clingy and embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> I think what I'm surprised is, Tom, is that how good the lyrics actually are, because I imagine they're on so much drugs and alcohol at this stage. The fact that they can string two <laughs> words together probably This you was know? their second record. Yeah, okay. They probably it? weren't yeah. quite as fucked as they were later on, <laughs> you know, in terms of like the alcohol. What was the, the cocaine one was the one I after this, I think. Yep. That's the one that's got champagne even over on it and stuff where you're just going, what are you talking about now? I really like that song, but the lyrics make no sense. Yeah, so, yeah. It's all good. Um, yeah, look, 16 million listeners for Oasis, so they're still, they're still, the kids still love this. Oh, sure. Um, 28 cents for this. I will say that this is actually one of their... They'll do um, a fucking reunion. 
It'll well, happen well, in the next 10 years. Yeah? You yeah, think? Yeah, the, bro- the brothers keep saying they never someone will. will give they they never money. will. <laughs> well, that's... Yeah, you're right. If someone says, we'll give you a million pounds to... you know, We'll never... We'll never... We'll give you five million pounds. We're never going to reunite. We're never... And then as the years go on, mm. the money goes up because the, time, the clock is ticking well, well, and eventually... 25 million pounds, I'll be like, all right, we'll get those other two guys on the phone. I mean, you know what happened this year? Uh, ABBA got back together uh-huh. to release the song. Um, yeah, I think, I don't know if they're touring or not, but... They're touring as holograms, Tom. The, oh, really? they're still alive. Yeah, they're doing a hologram tour. They're not oh, even dead okay. yet. That makes more sense. They were offered, in, I think it was 2005, they were offered a billion dollars to get back... To get back together. Jesus. Yes, and they turned it down. That's $250 million each. That's and they insane. turned it down, which A, must shows you how much money they must already have. Yep. But B, shows you how much they really didn't want to work together. Like, they famously, none of them attended their producer's manager's funeral yeah, <laughs> because okay. they all hated him so much that, you know. And yet, so, if I saw when I saw they were back together, I found myself thinking... How much did they offer them this time? Like yeah, <laughs> two billion. It'd have to be that. <laughs> that seems crazy. I think you'd take, even if you didn't like the people, you'd take the billion dollars because, um, you know, everyone needs a doomsday prepper bunker in New Zealand, don't they? <laughs> so they cost money. You just do it for a show. So Maybe they've already got one. They probably already have that. Exactly right. So look, to, uh, one week for that. Then after that, um, Shaggy was back. He's back for a couple more weeks. People <laughs> just went, we couldn't get enough of that boombastic. We're back for another couple of weeks. Um, and then moving on, 16th of March for four weeks, Tom, one of my all-time favourites, <laughs> um, Joan Osborne, one of us. Uh, what if God was one of us? It's yes. uh, Absolutely right. What if God was one of us? Now, um, look, as we mentioned last week, Tom, good art provides more questions than answers. <laughs> and this song is just a series of questions. Mm. Are you able to answer them for me, Tom? I'm going to hit them at you <laughs> rapid fire. What if God was one of us? Well, it's kind of rhetorical, I get. What, is, what um, would you do? What? I mean, he'd be less likely to do miracles, I guess. That's true. I That's mean, true. I, I struggle to do one miracle a day. Yeah. Um, what if he was just a slob like one of us? I'd feel better about myself. Yeah, I think so. You're right, because you'd sort of just be like, look, God has an ironed his shirt for this no, Zoom meeting. That's right. And why, why do I need to as well? 10 kilos during lockdown. Yep. What if God was just a stranger on the bus trying to make his way home? Well, then I'd probably treat him like I currently do now, which is trying to avoid him. You, you would possible. avoid him, yeah, exactly. Someone's like, that's just God <laughs> on, that, on that Metro bus going to Prospect. He's You're talking just... to himself loudly at the front. He's got a... He's got a Bluetooth. Rattling <laughs> bag of cans at his feet. Absolutely. Um, if God had a name, what would it be? Well, if he's on the bus at 2am coming back from Devonport, I'd say it's probably Davo. Davo, yeah. Or Boner, I reckon. So <laughs> probably that. Um, and would you call it to his face? Oh, no, he's got a neck tattoo. I'm not going I would not go that, anywhere but... near him. And what would you ask him if you had just one question? Um... Do you still like G-Unit as much as you did when you got that neck tattoo? (laughs) That's true. That's true, absolutely. What about Um, you? You could think of something better. One question for God. Um, I'd probably ask him what is the deal with airline food, Tom, I think. So I don't know. Um, It remains open, doesn't it? It it does. It does very much so. Experts are baffled. Um, So look, so so this song is just a series of questions. Um, If God had a face, what would it look like? I think you've already described it. It's sort of like... He's, he's, I reckon God, if he had a face, he looks like someone who's been on meth for 20, 25 years. A little bit gaunt. He's got the neck tattoo. Mm, but a red head of hair. He's got a like yep, he's got this massive one of those mate. giant TV 
uh, TV presenter mains that just never goes away. And, when that, and, like a, and a soul patch type beard, <laughs> I think it, he would definitely have that for sure. God's rocking the flavor saver. Oh, absolutely, for sure. Um, so that's definitely what he's doing. Um, so yeah, look, this was written by a dude um, called Eric um, Bazelon, who said, quote, I wrote that song one night, the quickest song I ever wrote. Probably explains why it's so shit. Another Um, one. To impress a girl, which worked because we're married and have two kids. So at least something... Good oh, came of good this because the song itself is, is nice no good, one. But, yeah. yeah, I mean, this is we still need a better name for the ten minute song thing. It pops yep. up again this fucking this uh, year as well. Anyway, um, yeah, if you're wondering what happened to Bazillion, one day Bazillion met a guy called Rob Hyman, mm. and Ben, when you've got a Bazillion and a Hyman together, the only thing <laughs> to do is form a band called the Hooters. And Fucking then have hell. a C-tier classic rock hit with And We Danced, which you might remember from... I don't think that's on Cole's radio. Jesus. I think that's on IGA radio. IGA radio, yeah. Which Absolutely. is whatever the guy at IGA is playing. Christ, yeah. that's, that's crazy. Um, look, it's they good actually had a They actually had a couple of other sort of low-key hits, but none of them have actually lasted... I so the guy like from the higher Hooters. chart positions, but then they they just I got, I looked them up and I was like I even I haven't heard of these fucking songs. So the guy from the Hooters who wrote and we danced also wrote one of us. That's that's yeah, a good trip. weirdly that's enough. I and I had completely forgotten Joan Osborne. I had to. I remember this song. Everybody remembers this song, if only from fucking Doctor Evil. Too. Yeah, I think it's I think it's Ozzy Osbourne's um, daughter, isn't it? No, it's, it's Kelly Osbourne. <laughs> so um, no, she was a definitely a one hit wonder oh, as yeah. well. She just sort of vanished. But Tom, this this was the theme song to probably one of my favourite TV shows of all time, Joan of Arcadia. Tell me the Joan of Arcadia story. I, can't I never tell, saw can't that. Can't tell anything about it. Um, was it a sort of Dawson's Creek slash? I think it was a Joan uh, of Arc type thing. Oh, okay. <laughs> but yeah, um, so she got burnt alive. Well, it's a really good question. Suffered from crippling, debilitating mental illness that they didn't understand at the time. They didn't understand at the time, yeah. So Visual look, and auditory hallucination. It wasn't on for very long, um, so it's actually not a Joan of Arc thing at all. I made that up. Um, a typical family... I'm reading this on Wikipedia, <laughs> Tom. A typical family is facing um, um, atypical situations... Not the least of which, their teenage daughter's conversations with God. Uh, a police detective dreams of providing a safe haven for the family. So there you go. Sounds sounds dog shit. Sounds whimsical. Um, yeah, probably it, it's sort of mid '90s, so that doesn't surprise me. It's probably I imagine it's like picket fences, but um, more whimsical. So I don't know. Mm. So uh, yeah, that sucks. This was nominated for three Grammys. Yep. Um, lost all three of them. To Seal, Alanis Morissette, and Hootie and the Blowfish, respectively. Man, that is so, a nineties three hit combo. There is. I have <laughs> it finished with a Spin Doctor's uppercut <laughs> for sure. So that's um, that's a bit of a blow, knowing that you've lo- you you yeah. show up. You got three nominees. You yeah. think you're going to walk away with one, and then you just like seal. You're like, oh, fuck, two left. Alanis, you're like, oh goodness. I kind of like this a bit. I hadn't heard it for ages. It's very simple in yeah. a sort of nineties alt rock way. Like, it really, it's just a basic pop song. But back then, like, it's still like louder and heavier than anything on the radio now. For sure. Like, there's no auto tune in her voice. There's an actual melody. The guitars have distortion on them. There's a solo. A human being plays the drums. 
and Joan Osborne's haircut looks like it cost 50 bucks. She's got a nose ring too, which is sweet. Oh, and she's wearing clothes as well, which is an unusual development. I hadn't seen that coming. Oh, look, look, absolutely. Look, shitting on this, I probably shouldn't. um, Because, yeah, it's probably a bit bit better. Oh, hey, look, I'm just saying it was better than I remembered it being. Definitely. But I think I'm like you, Tom. I think whenever I think of this, I do just think of um, Austin Powers. So uh, (laughs) that's pretty much... Does everyone think of that? Hard not. (laughs) (laughs) And then just him saying that he wrote the song. <laughs> it is very, very good because he's travelled back in time. Good times. Um, the joke is that he can't remember any of the other lyrics except. Yeah. For... Does this classify as a novelty song? Do you think or not? It's no, not really. It's a it? one-hit wonder, yep. not a novelty song. No, no, no. A novelty. Yeah. So if you know, if it was, uh, say, sung by a cartoon cat or something like yeah. that, or and giant money. And technically, Brazilian and Hyman had another hit. They did. That's true. Of, yeah. yeah, that's exactly right. So, how long has it been since you heard "And We Danced"? Oh, for a long time. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Very maybe, long time. Maybe it'll crop up if we time uh, travel. Oh, look, absolutely. Uh, right. You know, Coles Radio, they'll well, have it on there. Speaking SM. of things that aren't a one-hit one, uh, what's look, up next? Well, sorry, just real quick. 1.3 oh, yeah, yeah, million so. on Spotify per month. 18 cents on the Discogs. Go but go. That's not terrible for I think, a one-hit one. And 18 cents, Tom, I think that... Christmas is just around the corner. That would make a great... <laughs> if I woke up on Christmas yeah. morning, checked it in the old stocking, and I pulled out a, a K-single yep. or CD single of One of Us by Joan Osborne, I would be happy with that, I think. So sure. certainly that would be good. So up next, um, you said, yeah, no more one-hit wonders. We've got OMC, How Bizarre. <laughs> how Bizarre indeed. Yep. I hope I mentioned that these... Um, did I mention... No. In the, in the 80s rap, or a few... I think... There was something propped up where I was forced to mention <laughs> the, the finest New Zealand artists of all time. Do you remember that? Uh, yes. You probably can't. No, I, can't. I do. I remember this coming up. I can't remember which episode it was. No, I, I can't remember. But yeah, something happened and I think I, I reeled off my top five um, New Zealand <laughs> artists of all time. I think I forgot to put these guys in there. Oh, well, you've done the um, disservice. I, yeah. I think if I could turn back time, if I could find a way, um, would I, I don't know. Uh, but if I got these guys in, I'd have to cut out. Like thirty odd foot of grunt or something mm. like that, Rustler Rock. So I probably, I think I wouldn't change it. So yeah, sorry, sorry, OMC fans, <laughs> but yeah, not in there. So OMC stands for um, Otara Millionaires Club, uh, and it's it's after the neighbourhood in Auckland um, where the band, the main dude from the band, the band leader grew up, and it's a bit of a funny name because um, the Auckland suburb of Otara is at least at the time this song was written. Um, like one of the poorest suburbs in Auckland. Oh, okay. So the so whole fairly ghetto. Otara Millionaires yeah. Club. It's all funny because yeah. So there you go. So it's 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 funny. You see, I'm laughing. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it had pretty high crime rates, but recently, fortunately, um, there was some police action, and the tribesmen and killer bee gangs um, have been reeled in. So that's their actual oh, okay. name. So <laughs> if you if you move there, Tom, I assume that look. Let's face it, Melbourne. We're probably back in lockdown next week. I've got to get away. I've got to get out of here. I might move to Otara. It sounds very nice. I do like Auckland. Mm. Would you join the tribesmen or the killer bees? I definitely join the killer bees because the bees is spelled B-E-E-Z. Yes. And, I mean, you know, compared to that, the tribesmen still using an S in the name. Yeah, absolutely that's, right. That's not cool. Enough. Well, that's what's, that's sort of what jumped out at me as well, the fact that bees had, was spelled, yeah, B-E-E-Z. I said, that's the gang I want to be a part <laughs> of. Um, so... I don't know how one joins said gang, but um, if I do, if anyone, mm. if there's any New Zealand listeners out there and you do know, you have some connections to the, to the Killer Bees gang in Auckland, mm. let us know. 
just because if we do move over there, we will need sort of an in, I guess. You'd, yeah. You don't just knock on the on the club door to and say, let me in. You probably need an introduction or something like that. I'm guessing you could start by modelling your behaviour off uh, most of the cast of Once Were Warriors. Absolutely. I think if I did that, that would be okay. <laughs> I assume that would be all right. So that's Not to I'm... push racial stereotypes, but we are Certainly talking not. about violent motorbike games. <laughs> I think so, yeah. I think it's... Uh, but, you know, they're probably... But, you know, OMC, fun-loving sort of Yeah, I mean, I say so. violent. Most of them probably just sold weed to each other. That yeah. seems to be... There's a lot of weed growing in New Zealand if you've never been there. <laughs> yes. It's a lot of green, leafy forests with no one in them. So, yeah. So, the lead singer of the band, um, Paulie Furumana, he was a gang member in Auckland. Oh, he was. Okay. He was, so yeah. he wasn't just um, from there. No, no. He was one of the gang members. But uh, I wasn't able to find out whether he was a killer bees um, or a tribesman. Hmm. Uh, my research, I was unable to find that out. He seemed like a bit of a killer bees man myself. So, I'm just going to assume <laughs> that he is. Um, so, yeah. So, he's a gang member. But then, um, obviously... Just did some music, yep. and he received his musical training in a New Zealand juvenile prison. Wow. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Went to prison, and when he was in there, he learnt the, the musical chops to write that's this. Right. Maybe that's if he was incarcerated for longer, he would have been able to write better <laughs> songs. I don't really know, but well, not I, that this one's bad. But I mean, it's got a sort of... There's a slight wanky, you know, fake Americanness in it that I that used to irritate me a bit. That yep. sort of, you know... It's not, a, it's not hip-hop, but it's kind of, there's a touch of that sort of... We're from the hood vibe. But, I mean, it seems like he definitely has a better claim to being from the hood than I do. Anyway, oh, so no doubt. Maybe I should shut up. Absolutely. No, he yeah. definitely definitely was. So, um, But, look, you listen to this and you cannot tell me that those motherfuckers in the cat empire didn't rip this whole thing <laughs> off. They've just stolen this. Well, I have to say, I was surprised to find that all the instrument work in the background is real and not sampled. Mm. I thought at least, like, the horns would be sampled and stuff. It does contain a small breakbeat from Womp, there it is, halfway Fuck through. Yeah. But it's not the first song do that. <laughs> yeah. Maybe modern, maybe modern day hip hop can aspire to the heights of OMC and just stop ripping off entire songs because you can't be fucked playing studio musicians to come up with some jams, you know? I mean, that'd be pretty good. Look, I'm a big fan of sampling culture, Tom, but sometimes you do think, yeah, maybe just invent something new. I'm, yeah. I'm not talking about sampling culture, I'm talking about ripping off whole songs. The whole song. to, like, I mean, we've already had, what, we have 13 weeks of Coolio Gangster's Paradise yeah, exactly. which as we said last it's just year the whole it's song. just Pastime Paradise by yep. Stevie Wonder the instrumental with him rapping on the top yeah that's that. you're right that's not sampling no, for me no that's it's not, basically not a taking, cover version of a song that's not taking yeah. a couple of dif, you know disparate samples and trying to weave together some new concoction that's just um, yeah rip, mm. ripping something and if anybody songs. knows what large volume contributed to it apart from sounding like something that you'd find written on the side of a suitcase you know going through international <laughs> airport then I don't know absolutely look uh, I feel bad though Paulie he passed away at 40 years of age that sucks um, so yeah he was survived by his wife and six kids so I hope that they're you know living a good yeah. life off the back of the royalties from this well, song it was a good time to make money off a big hit like this and this was number one in eight countries as you said wow. like, yep, you that's, know, that's eight that's yeah. good not just it was number, you know, this was big, huge in America too you know yeah. now it might the, be the only New Zealand song some American people know and they probably don't know it was American. They yeah. probably like me and they just assumed that OMC stood for something MC. Oh, absolutely. Like Orville MC. Absolutely. It's, it's just Shaggy. Shaggy's just in there. So, yeah. It's Coolio doing it. Yeah. Now, the song, the lyrics, Tom, um, mm. you've got a lyrical highlight always, but this, these oh, ones sort of weave it. No, no, I want you to go ahead, but they weave a bit of a narrative. Is that a bit of a story? Is that well, correct? Well, they do, yeah. They're, it's basically... <laughs> 
<laughs> Three yep. people are driving around New Zealand in a Chevy 69. Uh, they get pulled over by the cops who let them go because uh, he likes their car. Then That's they good. stop for some petrol or gas, as Paulie calls it, yep. in a pretty ridiculous attempt to sound American, seeing as the entire song is done in a very thuck New Zealand accent. <laughs> But, uh, get some geese. <laughs> while they're getting some geese, they see a poster for a circus, and then the entire circus jump out from behind a bush, tell them that the elephant has run away, and so they drive off again. Yep. If you're curious about what happens after that, Ben, uh, Paulie's estate is willing to sell you the rights. Mm. Um, <laughs> how much would you pay for those rights? Oh, think? look, this is, I think, could be a major motion picture, <laughs> um, as big as... Uh, say Curly Sue, I think, Tom. This could mm. be as big as Curly Sue. I've definitely um, seen movies with less premise. Oh, absolutely right. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. So, look, I, I, well, I don't know whether I want to pay money to see what happens or whether I just want to take this beginning and sort of, you know, <laughs> weave in my own sort of seek, you know, ending to that. I think it so. starts off with that kind of gangstery thing. Yeah. So not gangstery, but that kind of cruisy road trip Americana thing. Yeah. And then that circus thing pops up, and it seems so childlike and weird. That I found myself thinking, is this a metaphor for something? Like, yeah. is he trying to, does this mean something that I'm not privy to? Like, is, is circus a new name for drugs or yeah. something? Maybe it is. But I don't know, it could be. You Look, know? my film will be very literal. It'll just be some guys getting some petrol and then they just run into a circus. <laughs> and then what kind of hijinks could happen? Who knows? It sounds like a whole lot of fun. Sure. Definitely. Um, anything else? You good? Oh, I'm good with that. You good? Uh, uh, sorry, yeah, one, sorry, one of the chicks in the car that he mentions does vocals. In the, she keeps talking about Cena, which is like she's seen the band. Yeah. Another guy. So, yeah. Anyway. 1.2 million. That's pretty good That's on Spotify. Bad. More than I would have they thought. They had other hits in New Zealand. Yep. But this is the only one that went anywhere else. Uh, two cents though. So that's a that's a deal <laughs> and a half. Like double yeah. team that with that Joan Osborne CD <laughs> single. 20 cents well spent. Absolutely. All right, so yeah, that was five weeks there, 18th of May for four weeks. Our old friend George is back, George Ooh. Michael. He's back again with Fast Love. He's feeling better after his partner died three years ago. Absolutely. He's, he's, he's heading about on to that up. fucking dance floor. Now, this one's a lot fucking better than Jesus to a child, I'll tell you mm. that. So, um, so this I don't song, think it's up to his early 90s stuff, but nah, it is definitely... A bit more dancey and catchy. For sure, yeah. for sure. Look, so this is about um, instant fulfillment, <laughs> gratification without commitment. Sure. Um, now, look, I don't know. George, you, you're right, Tom. He was still, I think, hadn't come out as being openly gay yet. I think it wasn't until a year or two later where um, he was caught in a, a male, <laughs> in, a, in a public toilet. Yes. Um, performed. I think it was it an undercover cop or something came in and sort of... Who knows? Something happened. Cottaging, he, as they call yeah, it in the UK. Exactly. So George was arrested um, for, I guess, participating in, in acts or trying to solicit acts that are, are illegal. But I think more than that, what, it, what this says to me is that in the year 2021, I think, you know, being gay is pretty easy. I think, compared to back in George Michael's day. Compared yeah, to any other time. Exactly, sure. compared to other times. And I think, you know, if you're sort of like, you wake up one morning and, and you sort of, you're, you're unsure about your sexuality, you want to sort of explore that sort of thing, you're sort of going, you know, I don't know any gay people, I don't know where to go, I don't know what to do. You jump on the Google... You just type in gay toilet and Google Maps will show you all the gay, gay toilets around and you just show up to the gay toilet and then you can get into some of the action that George did. But back in George Michael's day, 
There was no Google. There was no internet. You just no. had to know mm. where the gay toilets were. <laughs> George, you know, he probably, he would have, you know, you got to realise this is George Michael. He's a guy that sold hundreds of millions of albums. He's a mm. major pop star, but in his free time, he has to go to public toilets, <laughs> hang out there, see if it's a gay toilet. He doesn't know if it's a gay well, toilet. And then wait around and then, oh... <laughs> It, okay, then he has to go to another toilet. So he's very busy trying to find these gay toilets. I mean, past a certain point, especially with someone like George Michael, you'd have to think that the public toilet aspect of it's got to be part of the fun, surely. Oh, absolutely. Because, you know, I'm pretty sure he could go to a gay club and he pick could. up whoever. He know. could, absolutely. He's, and he's like, in this video, he's a very handsome guy. You know, yep. he's still as immaculately groomed as ever. He doesn't look like he's aged since Wham, whatever no. fucking skin cream he's using. I wouldn't mind some of that, but yeah. Like, he's got slightly more ridiculous facial hair, I think, in the 90s. He does, yes. His flavour savers seem to have multiplied all over his face, but... Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you're, you're absolutely right, because I think that sort of, yeah, he could have just gone to a club or I'm sure in Hollywood well not yeah. that you know but you know he would know people you know in the music <laughs> industry in Hollywood various you know I'm sure he could find some people to spend some time Just, with that were any similar he didn't have to go maybe, to the gay toilets maybe but, yeah. Ben maybe, yeah. we, maybe we're looking at this from the wrong angle Probably. perhaps because neither of us have ever been particularly attractive during our entire lives mm. maybe if you're very good looking and have shit loads of money and are quite famous yep. that um Getting laid becomes so easy that sometimes, you know, it's 2 p.m., it's 2 a.m., you've just finished a movie, and whereas I would just think, oh, should I go downstairs and get a kebab? Yep. George Michael just starts thinking, geez, I wouldn't mind a root before I went to bed. Yeah. Well, there's that public toilet across the street. Just hits but just it. walk outside and go to the public Absolutely. toilet. Then I can get laid, go back to bed, fall asleep in half an hour. Yep. You know, whereas For I sure. would just be at that point scrunching up half a kebab and throwing it in the bin. Yeah. No, yeah. I completely agree with that. And sort of what else I find interesting is that obviously he was you know, ultimately arrested for that sort of thing. But I don't see what the big fuss is about. I don't think, I don't think it's being, it's not homosexuality at no, that no, point. It's no, just, it's you know, getting a dick out <laughs> Yeah, but I think the point I'm Waving trying to make is, Tom, that I, I think if it's 2am and I went into a public toilet <laughs> to take a piss and there's no one in there, you know, central London, I might, <laughs> I'm, I'm sort of like someone to Stab me? Am I going to get yes. arrested? If I walk into a public toilet and yeah. I see George Michael, you know, giving someone a hand job, it's it's a relief. Oh, you know, yeah. it's, I'm I'm that's I'm, one of the better things. I'm relaxed. I walk in there and go, "There's other people in there. That's okay." Oh yeah. So if uh, someone comes in with a knife or tries to, you know, there's a whole group oh, of people in here I to apprehend that thing. To get so, disemboweled by the Candyman every time I go. In absolutely. The so I think I, you know, I. When I walk into a public toilet, I want to see that. <laughs> I want to see two dudes going at it in the corner because sure. it just makes me feel safer in an environment <laughs> knowing that there are crazy That's people right. out there with knives, etc. So, look, um, it's all good. George, look, this one is the best song of his this year. It's <laughs> number one, without a shadow of a doubt. The, um, the music video, it's a bit cyber as well. They've gone a little yeah. bit... Haven't quite gone full lawnmower, man, but they've certainly... Um, it looks like George Michael's streaming a video on a fax machine at the start. Mm. Now, is that... Was he... Was that his bold <laughs> vision of the future? When George... They're making the video. He says to the director, I reckon in the future, you know, fax machines, 
People are going to be watching music videos on fax machines, mm. put that in, and they went, let's do it. That is genius. That's going to happen. <laughs> it was spot on because that's how we do it in 2021. Well, I mean, three years later, people were boldly predicting that everyone would want to use the internet on their refrigerator. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> exactly. I'm worse things. Three years before this, whoever directed uh, the Bobby Brown video thought you were going to be able to hack into landline telephones. <laughs> <laughs> the little answering machine digital display. So Absolutely, knows. absolutely. Look, um, yeah, I might watch June tomorrow night just on my <laughs> fax machine, Tom, if you want to come over. So um, he's sitting in a chair that's made entirely out of speakers, oh, which God. is cool. It's, it's an armchair with all of speakers. Yeah, or, and a wall good. of televisions. Oh, like yeah, half yeah. the videos on this fucking list feature a wall of, t- wall of speakers or wall of televisions. It's yeah. just... And for no apparent reason, in the last third of the video, he's dancing in the middle of a room um, mm. in a shower that looks like it's pumping out about 10,000 litres of water a second. <laughs> like, it is, it's coming yes. down at some speed, I will say that. I mean, so Not to be stereotypical, but gay dudes do seem to like giant showers. I mean, I don't blame them. Oh, no. absolutely. But yeah, no, it's big enough to hold the start of the opening scene to blade in that fucking shower it's crazy I mean the whole thing you're right it's extremely mid 90s isn't it everything has that blue tinge over it like you're watching Lawnmower Man 2 like you said there's (laughs) leopard prints Fuck ton of shiny pleather. Everyone has frosted tips. Guy looks like Rob Flynn from the machine, the Burning Red <laughs> era. Interestingly, he started showing hot guys with bondage gear in his videos, yeah. as well as the half-naked supermodels he's had since 1990. And there's some implied lesbianism. There's implied three ways in the video, but still no dudes macking on other dudes. No. You know, it's st- but that's still a step too far for 96 but yeah absolutely but yeah look um, I enjoy the video for this one because it is completely bizarre there is a lot of sort of He's watching people dance. Are they really there? Is it sort of like a hologram? Is it ABBA? Is it the ABBA hologram from before? So, look, um, and George obviously takes the piss out of himself um, with a song, I think, a year or two later, Outside, which is about him (laughs) basically (laughs) banging. And the music video features a dude getting arrested for boning in a public toilet. (laughs) So he sort of... Takes a piss out of himself, so much respect to George. Um, I hope we get to talk about George again. Uh, I'm oh, not yeah, sure. sure. Well, Any... certainly. Yeah. I mean, Adele sang this at his funeral oh, in 2016. Fast love. Uh, yes. Wow, now, nice. not to accuse Adele of pissing on anyone's coffin, but is Fast Love really the song you would want played at your funeral? <laughs> yeah. Even if you wrote it. Yeah, look, I would, like, but it's, I'm not everyone, I mean, so yeah. For instance, you know, yeah. imagine the scene. Everyone's solemnly in the church and Adele is singing, In the absence of security, I made my way into the night. Stupid Cupid keeps on calling me, but I see nothing in his eyes. So why don't we make a little room in my BMW, searching for some peace of mind. Hey, I'll help you find it. I do believe that we're practicing the same religion. Which is handy because we're in a church at my fucking funeral, you goose. Why are you singing a song called Fast Love about getting it on in public toilets? Look, anyway, that, that seems like maybe, one of... Maybe she was... Some, you know, sometimes you're at the end of the list to yeah. confirm, you know, whether you're going to do something or yeah. not. And then when you do confirm, you find out that there was a list of options and now there's one thing left, <laughs> like a wedding registry, and now yeah. you have to buy a silver chandelier or some shit like because everybody else took all the toasters and stuff yeah exactly you yeah. think boys to men said well we're gonna do last christmas and then sort of you know <laughs> maybe they, elton they, john said oh look well i'll do you know careless whisper and then they're all t- so yeah. it's just adele being like she said look it's this or outside <laughs> this so like, or jesus to a child she's like look i'll yeah. take fast oh that's true it. yeah i'll take this over jesus yeah. to I, I i thought of that and then i assumed that jesus to a child was one of the ones that was already taken because 
Yeah. I just think that was probably cut from the funeral list. This is way more fun, but Jesus to a Child sounds more like something you'd play at a funeral. Yeah, absolutely. Look, good on Adele for giving it a go. Um, Yeah, can't say it's the best funeral song, as you said, Tom, but look, uh, it's George's funeral. I'm sure he would have liked it a bit sort of memorable. And this would be memorable. Um, we already mentioned previously 14 mil on the Spotify. 72 cents for this. So that's wow. that's getting up there. That's approaching that's a dollar. I would have thought. Absolutely. I so. think this was getting... To, I mean, he's still right. He's still doing number ones. But as we got towards the end of the 90s, I think he started to fade out of the, out yeah. of the mainstream charts. But I'm sure he was still getting... Still, still stealing albums. Still pumping out a heap of hits. But yeah, may not be any more number ones I'm sure. surprised that they were still in I don't even remember these songs in no yep. honesty but yeah oh there you go Look, they're all classics Tom every single one <laughs> cool so up next uh, Tom for just one solitary week but wow what a week Metallica <laughs> Until It Sleeps mm. wow now this is off load is that the best Metallica album Tom <laughs> Oh, I think, I think their hardcore fans think it is, sure. This oh, was, no, load or reload. Was this so. the first single off load? It was, Tom. It yep. was, yep. yeah. This, I mean, it's easy to forget now, but they were so huge among a certain fraternity of music fans yep. until, like, the Black Album, and then they just didn't do anything for nearly... What, 10 years? Uh, well, I think the Black Album was like 1991 and this is 1996, so oh, okay. five years. I was so, yeah. younger then. It seemed like yep. a longer time. But yep. yeah, there was a very long time between albums for that era. And yeah. Certainly. Well, yeah, because I think the Black Album has sold like 20 million or more, like a yep. lot of, like, like probably like, probably like 30 million. I don't know, like a lot of copies. It was the biggest yep. like metal or metal adjacent type yeah, release they, ever. They legitimately sold. kind of cracked the mainstream with that. Like, Absolutely, you know, they yeah. were getting like MTV mainstream play and stuff. And it wasn't glam metal. This is in the sort of post glam metal yeah, absolutely, era. Yeah. You know, so, or the end of glam metal. They, they, never, they never went glam. They never they, went glam. They, 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 they didn't, yeah. Like, they changed their style in the sense that the albums prior to this were like thrashy and fast. And this was a lot more mid tempo, yes. slower, simpler. It's, sim- it's more hard rock than hard rock. Exactly. Yeah. So that was, so yeah, sort of so by people, that time. The people who thought that Black was selling out because they hired a good producer <laughs> to produce it and then they got on the radio occasionally were not super overjoyed when Load came no, out. No, look, Tom, I'm, I'm saying this is clearly Metallica's post-grunge phase. So Yeah, this, it's a tad country as yeah, well, unfortunately. Well, this song, um, I think particularly, sounds like a real off-brand Alice in Chains. Like sort of yeah, a, a looking pretty, back at it now, it yeah, does. Um, it's not really grunge, but it's not metal nah, really either. No, nah, it's, yeah. it's just sort of hard rock. And, you yeah. know, it's sort of like a, you know, Alice in Chains sort of had some heavier sounding songs. This sort of, to me, just sounds like a poor version of that. The follow-up single here of the day could be a Creed B-side. I sort of got that vibe <laughs> yeah. off it. I was yeah. like, that's pretty shit. Um, and then the next single, Mama Said, I can only assume was written for inclusion on the soundtrack of the yet unannounced Young Guns 3. <laughs> Sounds like they wrote it particularly for that. And then someone said, oh, we're not going to make Young Guns 3. And they went, oh, well, fuck, we'll Don't just put it on Don't me with a good time. But... <laughs> yeah. Um, so, look, it's purportedly the better of the albums from the Load Reload duo. Um, yeah, really, but, it was even worse than this. Like the people who were disgusted yeah. with this were then yeah. not their disgust was not ameliorated by Reload no. or by the S and M or all the other shit that they For did sure. Lulu, in the late nineties. Oh, yeah. oh, that was oh my god! That, but yeah. Yeah. Um, but 
That's right, I forgot yeah. about Lulu, oh. Jesus. But look, anyway, the point is, I think, that even though the music's changed, they're still the same dudes that they always were, except um, in the King of Nothing video, James Hetfield appears to be wearing a fur coat. So <laughs> maybe they have changed just a little bit. So um, is this one of the, is probably, I don't know whether it is, but for me, this is probably one of the most fucking stupid music videos I've ever seen. It's not great, is it? Mm. Um, yeah, I think it's meant to be Hieronymus Bosch. Yep. Influenced, although yes. fuck knows why that means Lars Ulrich needs to be wearing eyeliner. <laughs> I don't know what that's about. <laughs> Everyone looks so pained in this, like they go, ah, yeah. the band members look I mean, like they're, they're in agony, and oh, we're so. Yeah, oh, no. they look pained in their old videos, but everything's so dark, and they've all got, you know, chest length long hair so you can't see their faces and stuff anyway really I think um, in that one music video when it's sort of got that the the footage from like the war stuff blended in and you know they're still playing sort of thrash metal and that's sort of like quite an aggressive song yep. yeah I'm fine with that but this is just sort of like yeah you're right Lars has got eyeliner um <laughs> Yeah. And, it's, and nipple rings as yeah. well. Kirk's um, wearing a fur coat. Yeah, is, they're yeah. punching the ground. They're throwing dirt. Um, I think the bass player smears shit on himself for a while. In, people in tights dancing around yeah. and stuff. Yeah. As I mentioned, Lars's nipple rings, and he also has a purple <laughs> feather boa. Um, Jesus <laughs> pops up in this for a bit. So <laughs> he sure does. Just everything about it's fucking stupid. So I don't know. Um, I don't. I don't hate a couple of songs on this album. I have to admit, this one isn't my favourite. But no. I had this on cassette in Lagana back in the day. I think the trick with this album is that uh, if you if you aren't as invested in early Metallica as you know as some of my friends were, because I wasn't that invested in it. Yeah. If you forget about thrash metal and just take this as sort of like high volume bogan stoner road trip. Music. It's got a few fun songs on it. There's uh, two by four and eight my bitch. I reckon are quite fun. Then again, they're not metal. Yeah, they're sort of. But you can see the kind of skeleton of their, yeah. their their older song structures underneath it, and you can sort of see how you know if you if you you know rocked it up way more, like made it a lot heavier, or if you just get drunk and turn it up very loud, <laughs> then it does suddenly seem to turn into metal. But yeah, yeah, it's definitely not not their best. Yeah, look, um, James Hetfield's gone on to write a book about restoring classic cars. <laughs> Is it time that he just gave the music away and focused on that? Would that be sort of a wise move? I don't know. It's okay. But look, this song apparently, Until It Sleeps, is um, about, I think, his mother passed away from cancer, I think. Yes. So I believe that that's sort of the subject matter about this. But um, his parents are also Christian scientists, Tom. What What is a Christian scientist? Can you tell me? Because I don't know. Because apparently they refused uh, all medicines. So. Uh, yeah, they're one of those weird ones, like some parts of the, is it the Seventh-day Adventists? The ones that don't believe in, yes. Modern science or... Yeah, they're not Mormons, <laughs> but they, yeah, fucking, I don't know. I'm sorry. So I'm not sure whether the song is about um, his <laughs> anger at, at cancer or his anger about his mum just being like, I'm going to refuse treatment for yeah. this or something like that so I, I don't really know but. I should have dug deeper into that yep. he definitely I mean he does sound unapologetically angry in this song and yeah I mean like the lyrics I mean as you said they're about to die in cancer so I won't take this too hard no, but they, no. they make a fair bit of sense by the standards of his lyrics like they don't involve any imaginary people getting their legs blown off or anything but he <laughs> still he does sound like he's really angry I hope that's either his just his normal singing style or he's angry at cancer that 
for killing his mum and not this is not about how angry he is at his mum for some yeah. reason or they might need to get in touch with that psychiatrist from some kind of monster again. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. <laughs> like, yeah, because he, he sounds pissed off. Like, he's not... This is not a it's not a soulful ballad about your dead mum. It still no. sounds angry as shit. No, look, I think you're right. These lyrics are probably a bit, yeah, different from some of the other ones. Probably a bit better. Um, is My Lifestyle Determines My Death Style <laughs> one of the, the bottom five lyrics of all time? Well, that's not in this song. No, it's but not. Yes, but no, um, it that's is. in another that's song. A that's, a real a, that's off a Sinan. Song. <laughs> I, I can't yes. think of any worse lyrics than my lifestyle. Yes. Well, one like of the story. other problems with Load, besides the musical this style itself, is that I'm not sure if the decision to move into an area which makes the lyrics a lot more legible was perhaps <laughs> the best decision for Metallica. Because I think the fact that a lot of it was covered up by growling is better when the when the music did the talking and it was just yeah, sort of going and you couldn't Ooh, really right. hear grammatical yep. <laughs> like mistakes that might say, hint at the fact that, for instance, all of them dropped out of high school when they were like 16 to start this band and have literally never done anything else in their Absolutely. entire life <laughs> than play metal with. I think a gravelly voice sort of hides the sort of... And a... And a oh, yes. Yeah. And, a, yeah. 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 <laughs> and you know, someone doing a massive solo behind you. Absolutely. Look, um, what do you think has alien... You know, Lars, um, I think, has alienated... Some fans over the years, I think, um, just because of, you know, some some of the things that he's said, some of the things that he's done. What do you think has alienated the fans more? Is it one? Is it the Napster thing, where they sued the he sued the fans oh, or they sued the fans? Do you think it was music that? Sharing um, was it him? You know, auctioning off his multi million dollar art collection in some kind of monster, where you know people sort of went, oh, he's not like <laughs> us. You know, he's selling millions and millions of dollars of art that he's collected over the years. Um, is it his nipple rings in this music video uh, or his white leather jacket that he wore there for some time? Which one of those is more offensive? Um, I reckon it's the nipple rings, I think. Because mm. <laughs> there's two of them. I was off, yeah, else. I was off. Portis. Yeah, you're absolutely, there are two of them. That is correct. Yeah, definitely. The Napster thing I can kind of forgive because nobody knew what music sharing was back then. Yeah, like, that's true. And, and like a lot of people thought it might be the end of music, you know, for, for years even they did. So, yeah. yeah, although that did make them the subject of a lot of very harsh... Um, early flash animation satirical YouTube uh, not pre-YouTube videos yeah. online if I seem to recall correctly but, but yeah. I think um, I don't know whether it was this song but it was certainly I think a song off uh, Load or Reload that was one of the first songs ever shared on a file sharing site apparently. oh really? yeah <laughs> apparently it was a, Metall a Metallica song the guy that invented the uh, MP3 um What's the word I'm looking for? Like rip it, you know, rip oh, it off yes. a CD, the decoding yeah. software or whatever. Um, yeah, apparently the guy that invented that, um, or something, one tested of the, it. Yeah, well, like something. It. One of the first songs that was ever <laughs> uploaded and, and subsequently downloaded was yeah, a Metallica song from sort of this era of Metallica. So yeah, um, so look, we talk that people talk a lot about the big four in, in thrash metal. Um, Obviously, Metallica, Megadeth, Slayer, Anthrax, they're the big four. Um, but has anyone. Anthrax ever... are up the back. Uh, oh, they. It's they, a, I mean, a fair bit of yeah. I'm not that I don't mind them, it's no, just that it's, they don't really get spoken of in quite the same terms. It's correct. It's sort of, it, it is, you're right. It's sort of like someone's come up with this thing called the big four, and then they realize it's probably only a big three, and then they've had to sort of, you know, wedge like, a fourth I, band. I would have thought, like, I know they came along a bit later, but I would have thought Sepultura deserved to 
should be in the big four more than maybe Anthrax. So. Look, I think that hey. shows the racism of um, <laughs> of, of the people well, that came maybe up with the term so. big four because they wanted the big four American bands. Uh, Sepultura, yeah. you know, being Brazilian, maybe they didn't make the cut for that reason. But yeah, you're right. Anthrax are very far back, I think, as far as I'm concerned. But has anyone ever compiled the big four of uh, '90s Eurodance? Has anyone ever sort of <laughs> I'm guessing that? you have. So what, uh, what would you say that they well, were? Well, Tom, I'm saying it's Too Unlimited, mm-hmm. Labouche, Culture Beat, and The Real McCoy. With maybe, maybe Technotronics there as a fifth <laughs> if someone, you know, has an issue with one of the other yeah, ones. Yeah, so. they're on the edge, aren't they? Yep, all Euro beats. Um, you know, obviously if I was able to incorporate, you know, people from America, there'd be a bit of a difference. Oh, look, you know, I think that's a great answer. selection. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, too Unlimited, I would say they're leading the pack, but that's just me personally. Oh, no doubt. Look, um, maybe when it gets to the 90s rap, I will have a look at the... Uh, monthly Spotify listens mm. for, you know, these Eurobeat <laughs> bands. So I can, you know, deter... I won't choose the big four of Eurobeats. So I'll let, you know, the, the general public choose that. I so. would uh, definitely say that uh, some kind of monster is in the big four of rock documentaries, <laughs> if I had yes. to pick one. I absolutely love some kind of monster. I've watched it about four times. Yep. Uh, as long, along with This Is Spinal Tap, Anvil, and uh, the last Freddie Mercury movie, Yep. which I'm assuming was meant to be a joke. I hope it was. Uh, <laughs> the, so. queen, the Queen movie. <laughs> yes. That um, was a mockumentary, right? That wasn't, yeah. You weren't meant to take that seriously. I mean, Mike oh, Myers yeah. was in it. Like, yeah, absolutely. Have you seen Dig, Tom? <laughs> Dig? No, I haven't seen Dig. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's another good one in the, in the rock, <laughs> rock and roll documentary. Who does it focus on? Um, so who it focuses on is um, oh, it's not the Danny, Danny Warhols. Warhols. Yep. No, yeah, no. But I thought they were taking it fairly seriously. In well, the... that's that's the brilliance <laughs> of the whole thing. So okay. um, there's sort of it's it's them and um, another band who are sort of uh, oh, their friends. Cool. Yep. And they sort of they're both pretty low level sort of just start starting out mm-hmm. sort of whatever and then I think it's uh, Brian Jonestown Massacre that was the it yep. the Brian Jonestown Ma- so they're probably the slightly bigger band Brian yep. Jonestown Massacre and the Danny Warhols are their friends are up and coming and then as the documentary gets made yep. the Danny Warhols release a couple of singles that go crazy they and then all of a sudden they're kids, massive yeah. so they're huge and then the <laughs> other band that was the bigger band in the sort of friendship <laughs> are still you know <laughs> selling not many records they've got an extraordinarily volatile front man uh and yeah it just goes from there and it's quite amusing just to sort of watch the dynamics of sort of how that all plays out sure. so yeah so yeah recommend that one as well on the list but um yeah absolutely so 18 million people are listening that's to metallica actually every month. less than i would have thought yeah, yeah i mean they're right. still putting out stuff and yeah absolutely you know, absolutely they can right. he- they can still headline you know, festivals oh, and for stuff. Sure. They're, I mean, they're still massive. They're still the biggest, what, metal slash hard rock band in the world, you'd have to say. Yeah. At, you know, right now. So, which just goes to show that um, once you sort of, if you get to the peak, it doesn't matter. Like, they, they, <laughs> like they yeah. reached their peak in like 19, yeah. in terms of record sales, 1991 with the Black Album. So, they've, they've been pumping out shit for 30 years, but they're still they've top of the of, tier in terms they've of They've sort of managed to, I think possibly it's their name. Mm. That has more to do with it than people might be willing to admit. But I think they've almost a set, they've almost managed to get to that point where like 
I know there's a word for this, but I can't remember what it is. Where your name becomes like like a synecdoche, where your name becomes yeah, like when people say Nintendo instead of video games because it's your grandma and that's the only she just thinks Nintendo and video games are the same thing. Yeah, where people say Metallica to mean heavy metal almost yeah. like, and when you get to that point, like it basically doesn't matter what your new stuff is or your old stuff is, you know? Like oh, for sure. If you're, if you're the first thing people think of when they're trying to think of a musical genre, you know, like, you know, who yeah, do you I mean, think you are, Elvis or something like that, if somebody's doing hip swivels, you know, because that's, that's the first thing that pops in your head, for then, sure. you know, it doesn't really matter if your last 10 albums were complete bullshit. Well, yeah, I mean, they, they released Lulu, that obviously, that you know, that Amber, which which was fucking <laughs> it was with, with, Lou, um, with Lou Reed. Lou Reed. <laughs> it was fucking hot garbage. And uh, I know that Lars said something completely obnoxious, like, People just don't understand. In 2030 or 2040, <laughs> people will finally understand the genius of this album, of how great it is. You know, it's just so far ahead well, of its fuck, time. We've only it's got eight so years. Like, I better buy a few backup copies. Exactly. So, but look, um, just in preparation for this podcast, I listened to a bit of it last night, and fucking hell, I, I found it a struggle to get through. You know, more than about two songs. Um, really, really bad. And even the other, they've tried to go back to their sort of roots a bit more, I guess, with like their more recent albums. Um, and even then, they're not great. But yeah, I think you're right. You sort of, people, they release new albums. They're not very good. People still go to watch them live because it's like they'll still play Master of Puppets. Yeah. They'll still play In the Sandman. I they'll still f- play The Unforgiven 1, yeah. The Unforgiven 2, The Unforgiven 3. I, I don't feel like they're getting a whole new bunch of younger fans the way, some, the way some artists are lucky enough to do. But there's enough old cunts who still like them yeah, exactly. that they can, like you say, keep touring off their, their big hits and yep. stuff like that. So. But yeah, look, this song sucks, but it's not the worst of this era. Um, and as you said, there's, there's a couple of, couple of songs in there that sort of... Um, and yeah, look, you know, I think... Um, look, the Black Album's not an album that I ever listen to just because I've heard all of those songs a million times over the years from just yeah. various things, but... There's some good songs on there, I think. I, so, I do like the Black Album. Yeah, yeah. I like them all. Oh, yeah, it's not. Production. Yeah, absolutely. I think it is It is good. You know, it's just not something, yeah, as I said, because you hear them a lot. But um, they also defined uh, that era because a lot of bands after that started playing Pantera, for example. They had a few number one yeah. albums, metal albums, and they certainly slowed it down a bit and played a bit more mid-tempo and a bit more simpler song structures. And I think that's just what people wanted. They didn't want things that are too crazy and too complicated and too long. And I mean, say what you like about Metallica, but they have sort of culturally outlasted all of these bands. Like, I mean, you know, it didn't help that Pantera's uh, bassist, the drummer OD'd and the best guitarist maybe in metal got shot on stage. But like, you know, I'd be surprised if they were still... In the cultural eye, the way Metallica are now, I, I don't know how they managed to do that. I don't know exactly. How they did. Yeah, look, credit where credit's due, and they've been a band for forty years, and for yeah. thirty of those years, have been the biggest band in their genre. And they're so. all still alive. They are too. absolutely. Like they managed to not OD or. Well, Tom, their lifestyle determines their death star. <laughs> so um, we'll find out what that death star is. Ironically, it didn't. Like no, yeah, anyway. absolutely. So yeah, eighteen million sixty-six cents for this. There you go. Um, up after this two more weeks of fast love people just went need sure. more fast love <laughs> who can blame them they probably saw that nipple ring and just went um, <laughs> fuck that off we need more fast love we need more streaming video on a fax machine let's do that um, so then up next um, for seven weeks this one's quite lengthy 22nd of June the Fugees Killing Me Softly 
Christ Almighty. Now, oh, sure. this one is one of, is bullshit because it is just another um, old <laughs> song. Yes, it's a cover. Although at least it's not pretending not to be. It's called "Killing Me Softly," which yep. is the name of the original. Yep. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So the songwriting team for this song, Charles Fox and Norman uh, Gimble, um, wrote this. It was recorded in 1972, and those guys also wrote the song, um, the Happy Days theme. Oh yeah. There you go. So and Laverne and Shirley. So yeah. some yeah. big guns. This has been covered by a shitload of people as well. Like the '73 was covered by Roberta Flack and Perry Como and so forth. And since then, I mean, it's you know. Who knows Absolutely. how many people have been covered by it? features at the end of the sort of the film about a boy like fucking Hugh Grant singing yep. it on stage, blah blah blah. Absolutely. Um they won a Grammy for this for best R and B performance. Um yeah, and the video won best R and B video at the MTV Music Awards. So in the UK it was the best selling single of the year. But in the US it wasn't released as a single. To do that bullshit where they're uh, trying to get people to buy the album. Uh, so, okay. Yeah. So it wasn't a hit in the that US was a trick just for that. that worked for a very short period of time. <laughs> for a brief period of time, they went, let's not release it as a single. Um, so, yeah, sold Internet. A, Internet. Fuck, sold a fuckload <laughs> in Australia, heaps in the UK, none in America. Um, but then, yeah, the score of the album that this came from sold 6 million copies in the okay. US. So maybe it worked. Yeah. So, yeah, um, look, technically, I guess. These guys are a one-hit wonder with a cover, uh, technically, or not really. Well, do they have more hits? I don't know if they had a hits as big as this, but they definitely had other some low-key top ten yeah. sort of hits. Yeah, absolutely. So I then, mean, everyone knows the Fugees and Lauren Hill. As well, oh, of course. yeah, well, Lauren Hill, obviously, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, this was everywhere at the time. I was going to call them uh, the, the precursor to Alien Ant Farm, Tom, the one-hit <laughs> wonder with a cover, but I was wrong. Um, I will say this, though, look, and, you know, if you're, if you're listening to this and saying, look, Ben, you haven't convinced me that the Fugees are revolutionary. You haven't convinced me that these guys, you know, back in 96 <laughs> were at the top of their game. They were some of the best around doing this sort of thing. Um, Bono from U2 called them the Beatles of hip-hop. And Bono looks like a man who knows hip-hop, yeah? Mm, he sure I only does. take hip-hop advice from Bono. I don't care what anyone says. I don't read the Pitchfork. I don't read it Stereo Gum. I don't look at any of the internet sure. sites. I'm like, Bono, what rap are you listening to now? And he says, the Fugees, I say... I will get onto that, so thank you very much. Um, but the Beatles of hip hop, I don't really know whether that like is there a Beatles of hip hop? I once heard Donald Glover claim that Mikos Migos are the Beatles of hip hop. Mm, so yes, um, I'm sure in 40 years people will be listening to the top yeah, 50 hits of Migos. Yeah, absolutely. So look, but it got me thinking though. It really got me thinking that. If the food the Fugees could be the, the Beatles of hip hop, Migos sure. might be the Beatles of hip hop, I'm not quite sure. But who would be the members of the Beatles of hip hop? I'm sort of thinking Snow, Paul McCartney. They're both very white. Uh, Vanilla Ice is Ringo. Again. Sure. Kid Rock is John Lennon. <laughs> and I'm thinking Macklemore for George Harrison. Wow, what a team up. Absolutely. You know, all those people are still alive. They are, you know? Exactly. Like, That's what I'm hoping. Tell me you wouldn't go to that concert. I would if I got to see those four together doing Beatles covers as well just I would love to see you know just Vanilla Ice Kid Rock you know, Macklemore I would, um, I would actually watch a sitcom that was about starring all four of them who I think we could all probably afford at this point for Absolutely. a low budget Australian sitcom about uh, four ex 
rappers trying to reclaim their title as the Beatles and hip hop were forced <laughs> to share a house because none of them have any money. They have to share a house, and they're preparing for a stadium tour. Um, where you know, but mm. then it gets downgraded to like sort of, you <laughs> yeah. know, an RSL club or something like Vanilla that. Vanilla Ice so. is trying to renovate. Uh, Macklemore's working down <laughs> the thrift shop down the street. Absolutely. Kid Rock's just constantly drunk and yelling out the N word. It's yeah, yeah, it's all it's all go. I would watch that show. It sounds very very good. I think so. Um, and as we learned last week, uh, was it Jan Arden um, has her own comedy show in the yeah. in Canada? So yes, yes. there is definitely space. Not for just an a ex- comedy show, the biggest comedy show of yep. in Canadian history of all time. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think this sounds like it could potentially well be the biggest show of all time for <laughs> white rappers um, doing a Beatles cover band in a house together. So yeah, um, apparently the Fuji's version I read. Um, online is a is a popular karaoke choice oh yeah for some time apparently back in the day through to now it's still very very popular um i I read somewhere i haven't actually checked this out but they sort of um i don't know whether it was in the u.s or japan or internationally but they they'd get the sort of data from the karaoke places and do like the most requested songs or most played or whatever um and yeah certainly this song showed up a lot um but apparently it's not a very good choice because uh, there's a website called the Karaoke Informer that writes <laughs> all the which seems bizarre, but I checked it out. And she said that because the, there's a, a minimal background track, the music's quite subtle in this. Yeah. And everyone loses the melody. They all think they sound great, but then no one's quite Lauren <laughs> All Hill, the melodies so. in the lyrics really, like it's the voice that, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But interestingly, <laughs> I read about that and then interestingly, about 20 years ago, I was at a karaoke bar um, in Hobart in Australia, Tasmania, and two dudes got up on stage to sing this song. Sure. And if you, it's like a natural which, fit. Which is completely... It was one of those karaoke bars where it's like a pub and everyone sits yep. around and they put the songs on. And literally, this dude just got up and he was just going, I'm flicking a clit with my finger, <laughs> slapping her ass with my balls. <laughs> and he just goes, fucking her softly with his cock, fucking her softly with his... And it was so fucking bad. <laughs> it was like those probably weren't the exact lyrics, but he definitely. <laughs> I may have I may have made the bits up that I couldn't remember, but he but he definitely said fucking her softly with his cock, which was um, bang on. And then later on, the same dudes got up and did um. Was it Rodney Rude? No, no. What did they do? And then I saw her face, and she's a believer. You mm-hmm. know, they got up and did, and then I sat on her face, and she was a bleeder. <laughs> It was fucked. So, so they were trying to start off some they, sort of Rodney Rude style career. They did, yeah. They got up and did like two karaoke songs, this song and uh, that other song, just basically. God, I can't so, believe yeah. I laughed at that. I'm so mature. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Well, how did it go down in the pub? Were people Not on well, board? no. <laughs> me, the, this this particularly, the Fuji's one, was, I think, went down worse than the other one. I but, mean, I've been to some karaoke nights at, say, the Brisbane in Hobart, where that probably would have been fine. Yeah. Or at yeah. least people would have kept playing pinball and smoking cigarettes. Just imagine two 45 year old dudes <laughs> just going, fucking us off. Oh, I can with imagine. His cock. Yep, so, so easily. Yeah, definitely. So anyway, moving on, the Fuji's consisted obviously of Lauren Hill, um, and she appeared in the 1993 film Sister Act 2, Back in the Habit. Mm-hmm. Um, so should she have just stuck with acting, do you think? Was that... Well, you know, maybe. 
maybe because yep. obviously she wasn't much of a singer, but you know. Yeah, for sure. Look, <laughs> acting I'm sure was a real skill. Yeah. Um, the father of Lauren Hill's kid is Bob Marley's son. Oh, so, Ziggy Marley. Yep. So okay. there's a there's a bit of a bit of relations yeah. there. I remember she she famously did a disappearing act. Yes. And then wasn't around. I think she I think she the first time she reappeared and sung in public for a long time was on. That Dave Chappelle was block party. Yeah. I think that was this big coup at the time that he'd managed to get her to perform on stage because she hadn't. So I don't know whether she had some sort of limelight style thing or whether she just... Well, Tom, um, she did an MTV Unplugged album, which has been described as, quote, unhinged. Uh, So I think she went off the rails a bit. Um, When she performed in the Vatican, she hit out at uh, Catholic Church Child Sex Abuse. So, mm. power to that. I mean, it's is, but is it the right place on the right time? <laughs> if the Pope says, come in and do your, your killing me softly thing, yeah. and then you get out. It's a know. bit different to ripping up the Pope's picture on a TV yeah, interview, isn't so. it? It's going to the Vatican. Yeah. You know. um, and then she also went to prison for tax evasion. Uh, so, maybe old, she was out of the Why do I have to pay taxes? For, yeah. bit for that. So, I'm not quite sure. But, yeah. Um, any lyrical highlights for this? Must um, be heaps. Well, that's... <laughs> So, as mentioned, this fails to pass the OMC How Bizarre test. Uh, the Fuji's contribution to the cover consists of Lauren Hill's admittedly rad voice doing a pretty much dead straight version of the song, which, if you unlikely that you haven't heard, is a very simple maudlin 70s thing about going to see a singer-songwriter who plays really sad stuff and makes you feel like he's talking about you. Yeah. Uh, fortunately, the Fugees realised that what it needed was some twat called El Boogie to say one time occasionally <laughs> and throw in a bit at the end where he name-checks every cunt he's ever met and then says, everybody's got a breaking point, kid, and they'll rat on you. The family in words will rat on you. That's why we've got to be prepared to take out whoever out we need to. And I bet Roberta Flack was at home listening to that thinking, fuck... I totally forgot to mention Droopy Dick in the refugee camp six times, chuck in some prison rules, drop the N-word and threaten to murder anyone who crossed me. <laughs> you know, that was what the song was missing ultimately. You know? It was, absolutely. Roberta, when will you learn? That's all you needed for it to be a hit in the first place. But yeah, absolutely. Uh, no, completely, yeah, those lyrics... Um, like I don't even... Oh, they, like they're it. so nonsensical and pointless that I don't even know who El Boogie is. I don't know if that's the fucking stage name for Pras or some other twat or it's just some guy was walking past the studio and thought a few murder threats was what that song needed. Oh, it certainly you know? added to it, I think. So <laughs> I enjoy it a lot more. So, okay. So it was about, so it's about sort of someone singing to you and you're sort of... That, that's all it is. It's very simple. It's just saying, I was in it, I was feeling sad. I went to see a singer-songwriter yeah. and it felt like he was, okay. you know, manipulating my emotions with his music, you know. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, because yeah, it's I, weird. I mean, I think just from the name, a lot of people like the karaoke people assume it must be talking about a guy who's, you know done you over or something like that but no it's just just some musician who displays stuff that yeah i thought it was a song about um a guy that was um fucking you softly with his <laughs> cock but um apparently not oh, that's just the sure. ca- that's the karaoke version maybe that's so, what yeah. ill boogie thought it I, was. I think so absolutely so yeah um 5.8 mil uh listeners the fujis have um no no El Boogie, not sure, I haven't checked it out, but I'll have a look to see how many listeners he has. <laughs> listeners next week, tune five. back in, I'll let you He's know. Five, five. Yeah. 18 cents on Spotify for that. Yeah, that's probably about right. So up next, um, 7th, 10th of August for three weeks, Celine Dion, Because You Love Me, Tom. Now, uh, this is the theme for the 1996 film Up Close and Personal, starring Robert Redford and mm. Michelle Pfeiffer. Oh, I'm pretty sure about as many people remember this song as remember that film. the 1996 film Up Close and Personal, starring Robert Look, Redford. Look, I have almost 
almost nothing to say about this. I, I'm with you too. Like, I know because these are number ones in Australia and I was alive during this period, most of them, even if I've forgotten them from the top of my brain, once I yep. hear them, they come back to me. But once, usually once a year there's one song where yep. I'm like, I legitimately don't remember this at all. Well, this was one of them. Like, it just... It, like you remember I said that, that George Michael the, the early one Jesus to a child yep. 20 seconds after you've listened to it you've forgotten it This you start forgetting these 20 seconds into the song yep. it's like it's erasing tape as it goes along in your brain look I, I did listen to this obviously for research for this podcast Tom and I I was like I don't know if I've ever heard this before in my life like, I, I was that no, unmemorable legitimately I, like, I can't so remember when I heard this and before. just like and I think at this stage uh, look Selena sold 200 million albums worldwide, which Fuck is insane. Dark. Which is yeah. completely insane. And she will go on to sell plenty more. So like I, I have a feeling that she is in the zone at this stage where after, you know, sort of, I think she had a song last year, did she, that we talked about? I can't remember. But uh, I feel yeah, like, or the year before, yeah. yes. But it just seemed like every song that she released was some sort of ballady film thing and people just must have went out and bought it and well, just went love it. I mean, sure, like this song was nominated for, I think it was a Grammy for, they have a category for songs specifically written for ah, a movie or yeah. TV show, which is, so this is deliberately written for the film and she didn't write it either. Um, this was written by Diane Warren, oh, who's still she's keeping a hit on. Factory. Yeah, we mentioned her before. She's written for Joe Cocker, Lady Gaga, Beyonce, Starship, Bon Jovi, Michael Bolton, Mariah, Whitney, Boys to Men, Ace of Base, Snoop Dogg. She wrote Blame It on the Rain for Millie Vanilli mm. and several songs for Sure, notably If I Could Turn Back Time, which we covered when it was an Aussie number one in 89. She is a total hit factory or a total shit factory, depending <laughs> on your taste. Oh, and Ben, you might or might not recognise her work in a little song called Rhythm of the Night oh. by DeBarge. Yeah, which I think they, I mean, they're pretty close to the Eurodance, the top. Jeez. That'd be in the, that'd be in the big ten, if not oh, the big four. Debarge, they're pretty close, aren't they? <laughs> Rhythm of the night, yeah. Everyone loves that. Um, absolutely. <laughs> is, that, is that Eurodance? It's got to be Eurodance. <laughs> Sounds like it to me. So yeah. <laughs> This is the rhythm. That's a different song, though. That's a different rhythm of the night. Oh, is so, it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, shit. This is the rhythm of so the what's, night. So what's Rhythm the of the night, night by Debarge, then? Um... It's a different song. I'll, I'll have to play oh, okay. it for you later. Who's, so who's that one then? Oh, who's that boy? The rhythm of the night is um, Corona, oh, okay. <laughs> who, who doesn't get who doesn't get to play anymore these days. Okay. She doesn't get a gig. Oh, so because people that's Eurodance. Oh, sure. that is Eurodance. Yeah, oh, this okay. isn't Eurodance, but it's still it's, oh. it's Eurodance adjacent well, though. My I think, opinion so. for her has dropped in. For yeah, for truly sure. though, if you start scrolling through the number of st- through the songs she's written, it goes no, for it's, pages it's and pages insane. and pages. Yeah. In fact, I think I may have even talked about her before on this fucking thing. But yeah. Anyway. Well, we learnt. Um, so this is another one of hers, but yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, pretty good. Between 2000 and 2009, um, Celine Dion grossed half a billion dollars. Fucking hell. In ticket off, sales. Off ticket sales. Yep. Wow. So that's pretty crazy. And, and I mean albums, 200 million albums. Like yep. even passing through the 90s music yep. publishing industry, that would have still generated fuck tons. Absolutely, yeah. So she's made a fuck ton of money. Um, her cover of ACDC's You Shook Me All Night Long with Anastasia has been voted the worst cover of all time. No, I'm sorry, I'm not having that. I <laughs> you don't think so? I think Anastasia I and Celine two, the, the doing The two guys ACDC. in the pub doing um, 
Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that, I think that <laughs> killing I, me softly. I think that's the worst cover of all time. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. But you're right. Worst cover. I mean, that's there's there's a lot of bad covers. Yeah, I'm, I need to I need to get on the internet. But yeah, and although, also, although admittedly, I have not heard that, and I hate Anastasia. So I guess it could be. Maybe I spoke too soon. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Look, lyrics. What do you got for she me? She can definitely sing. I think what you oh, learn from this, can, yeah. what you learn from the ones that we've done so far, is that she was obviously a person who needed a good songwriter. She needed yep. good, you know, someone to... Uh, because otherwise you get this pablum. Like, this is well sung. It's just, it's just boring as fuck. That's all. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I hate a good voice as well. I don't like a good voice. <laughs> I prefer someone that's a little bit, sort of, a bit raspy. Sure. Like sure. a sort of um, Taylor Dane or something. <laughs> <laughs> do yeah, no, right? me too. I, yep. Me too. Uh, okay, lyrically, like most of Diane's songs, the lyrics are so mundane that they're difficult even to take the piss out of. So instead, let's do an end-line rundown of the lyrics so you can have a look at the quality of Diane's rhyming craftsmanship. Yep. So we've got me, see, life, right, true, you, baby, up, fall, all. Weak, speak, see, me, reach, believe, am, me, 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 dark, life, inspiration, truth, you mm-hmm. now you might be thinking Tom those are all one syllable words except yep. for inspiration and yet half of them <laughs> still don't rhyme and did that bitch rhyme me with me three times in a row to which I could only reply which one of you has so many Grammys that they stopped handing them over and just built you a golden house in the shape of a Grammy to live in <laughs> and the answer is not me so true, yeah, yeah I guess Diane Warren wins on the what do people actually want to listen to in Oh, she knows what people want. Um, she knows what women want, as does Mel Gibson in the film of the same name. But I think that maybe absolutely... she was just phoning it in with this one. Like even by like, I mean, she did do. If Still I could, number she one. Wrote, if I could turn back time, like yeah. that's better than this. That's a, even lyrically, it's better than this. Right, it involves poten- time travel. It's a science <laughs> fiction song, so it's great. But yeah, um, you're absolutely right. This one's boring. Sounds like she was dialing it in, but. Look, it's still a number one. Um, I'm hey, sure she's still got a lot yeah. of cash off it. So I, wonder, I don't know what it did in America, but there's three weeks in Australia, you know. Hey, yeah, she can look, put that on her pile of money. I don't know exactly who the top ten, you know, in terms of people that have written the most number ones for the charts in the US, but she'd have to be in the top oh, ten. Oh, she'd, she'd have to have be to up be. there. Yeah, Along with so. her, she should get married to, who was the guy, the boy band dude, who did all of, like... Uh, new kids the on the block. Guy. Oh, no, no, no. The, the guy <laughs> who actually did. Yeah, and he did the. Like, he wrote the music Marie and Star. choreographed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's, probably got a heap, he's probably got a heap of number ones as well. No I doubt. hope they go on golden blimp holidays with each other. With it. Oh, absolutely. Fly to the secret island that only rich people know about. Definitely. So look, Celine's got 10.3 million um, listeners uh, per month on Spotify. Um, I'd say under the age of 18, she'd have 0.0 million Spotify listeners. I'd say that'd all be old cunts, probably. 18 cents for that. Don't waste your money. Go and buy more. Go and buy nine two cent things that we've mentioned previously, I think. So this one sucks. Uh, fucking hell up next for nine weeks Christ on a bike <laughs> um, 31st of August is Los Del Rio Macarena hey Macarena now fucking hell Tom I hate a dance craze um, I don't know about you but the locomotion soldier boy doing crank that <laughs> silent watch me whip it watch me nay nay gangam style YMCA the Harlem Shake 
the Nutbush city limits. I, I don't have time for any of them. What, what about, about the bus stop? How do you feel about the bus oh, stop? I like that one, yeah. The hustle? <laughs> the hustle, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, it's the exceptions that make the rule, I guess. But <laughs> So, yeah, look, this, this was released on an album in, I think, 1993. Yes. Um, and then it was remixed by um, the Bayside Boys in 1996. Um, so... I initially thought that it took several years to reach number one, but it just turned out that... So we can't really blame Lost El Rio. They released this song in 1993. Hmm. No one gave a flying fuck about it, really. Then the yeah, the Bayside Boys came in, remixed it, and then in 1996, uh, it became a dance sensation once they added a bit more of a dance beat, I think, to it, and yes. some English lyrics... And fucking, it was uh, a number one everywhere for a billion years. No, it doesn't have English lyrics. Oh, does it? The radio version Don't has. Get your job with you, Mark, I mean. Yeah, oh. no. Isn't there like a rap bit or something in it? Or I don't know. Don't. There might be a remix. So. Maybe, maybe, the, maybe there is. I don't think I've heard the bass the way boys one, but I did know that it was a weird situation. So, uh, Lost Del Rio did yes. the original. <laughs> And then, who appear to be two old guys. Yep. And then, you know, some production and some background vocals. And then, by the time it was a hit here, someone, like, various other people had covered it, including a guy called Los Del Mar. Yep. Or another group called Los Del Mar. And that was, like, people over here didn't know which one was which. They're both called Macarena. They have... That like two out of three words in the band names <laughs> are the same. And so it seems like, like, they just got bored at the same time by Macarena Thirsty Slapdicks who couldn't tell the difference, probably because there fucking isn't any really. No. And then, so they both, so they were just at number one and number two, which is, I think that's <laughs> an unprecedented occurrence yeah. of yeah. that actually happening. Yeah, you know? that's right. So this I think is number not, one. Or maybe not since, what was it? There was, maybe it was fucking... Funky Town or something. Or the Unforgiven, Metallica uh, having, Unforgiven and Unforgiven 2. No, no really a, a song and a cover of a song both being oh, in the charts okay. at the same time. I yeah. think it was the only time it's been one and two in Australia anyway. But yeah, that, yeah you're right. So and that's, as you said, it's because it took several years to take off overseas. Yeah, with some remixes and stuff. But yeah, exactly. So you're right. There's a point in time when you're turning on the radio to listen to the top 40 or turning on radio or whatever. Number two is a Macarena. Number one another macaroni yeah and without any context because this is it's in a foreign language and you don't know you never heard of any of this stuff like how would you know yeah which one? it's like when there were like three movies simultaneously proclaiming that they were about Lombard and the dance of forbidden dance <laughs> the forbidden dance like how the hell would you know which one was the real Lombard like you know you're from friggin Launceston how would you yeah you know? oh, the exactly. most dancing you've done is dancing around the enormous pile of spew outside the men's toilet at the saloon <laughs> on a Friday night <laughs> Look, would you say that, you know, having Lost El Rio at number one and Lost El Mar at number two with effectively, you know, the same song, uh, it's a moment of collective madness for the Australian yeah, public, you I, would say, I think where so. people, just Macarena <laughs> just took people, um, was it the BSE, Tom, is it the mad cow disease, <laughs> were people eating that mad cow beef, they'd lost their minds and they just went, I just need more Macarena, that's the only explanation for me, I think. Um, look... Give your body joy, Macarena, that your body is to give joy and good things. Now, that's the lyrics. Mm. What does it mean? <laughs> well, I actually know the answer to that. Do if you, do? you want to get to yeah, it, or we could, go ahead. we could do a bit more about it. That's, oh, no, that's no, no. the lyrical spot. Oh, sorry. Was that, oh, have, okay. I, have I broken into your lyrical No, 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 that's so. fine. I mean, the, the, any, for, with any foreign language song, you know, you as a lyrics talk, I'm always just... 
curious as to what it actually means. Yeah. I mean, like with uh, Labamba previously, there's you know, it's there's enough of colloquialisms and stuff that it's a little bit kind of there's like slightly different variations, but. Basically, um, okay, so you've got give happiness to your body, Macarena, because your body is for giving happiness and nice things too. Give happiness to your body, Macarena. Hey, Macarena. That's the chorus. Yep. So it's basically just like get out and dance, have a good time. Okay, so verse one is Macarena has a boyfriend who they call who they call by the name Vitorino. And while he was taking his oath as a conscript, she was giving it to two of his friends. Hey! <laughs> so, yeah, Macarena is about a chick called Macarena who's boning half the village while her boyfriend, Vitorino, who's hopefully not connected, is in basic training for the army. <laughs> That's what that song is about. That's great. So, maybe that has something to do with the two old guys that you see. I'd say so. <laughs> so, yeah, there's another couple of verses along those same lines, but yes. Really gives uh, it a yeah. new meaning, one that I didn't really know mm, about. Mm. So. It sounds more cheerful than that would suggest, but uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Look, um, so as we mentioned, number two and number one at the same time, but Australians couldn't get enough of this fucking bullshit no. because there was a Christmas version, Tom. Oh, Christ uh, yeah, so the Macarena Christmas remix, which went to number five in Australia. So is it was there like I don't know what sort of drugs or some, some sort of like you know psychotropic drugs leaked in into the, water the waterways? Supply, I mean yeah. because fuck me, can you imagine you know buying a copy of Lost El Rio, Lost El Mar, the Macarena? Then fast forward to December and just going. I need another you know taste. What? I need another taste of that exact song. It's the exact same song, but someone's just done some jingle like <laughs> bells ringing on top of it or some bullshit. I mean, fuck that sucks. Um, look, in 2019, this song was uh, look covered by Tiger, who's uh, an American a rapper, one of those rap star guys that mm. they've got. He used to go at one of the Jenners, Kylie Jenner or yeah. Caitlyn Jenner, Seems one of those kids. Right. Can't remember. Um, and the music video paid homage to the Jim Carrey film The Mask. Mm. So you get two levels of magic there. It's a Macarena yeah. cover, have, and you're referencing The Mask in 2019. What? Have 25 you, <laughs> years after the fucking film came out. Have you actually heard that? Movie? Yeah, it's terrible. And the I, music video is terrible. Oh my god. I heard it in a sneaker shop like a year ago, and my jaw dropped Jim Carrey in the mask <laughs> style at the almost insanity-threatening level of worthlessness coming out of the fucking radio. Yeah. Again, it's just the original song, yep. except with monotonal, non-rhyming rhymes mumbled about how all women are dumb sluts that deserve to be taken advantage of, and 86 uses of the N-word. And after the 20 lines of that, it's back to a chorus of The Macarena. Yeah, look, it's um... Just Fucking oath, these people. Go back to primary school, for Christ's sake. Tom, somebody stop me, I wish, please. Sorry, <laughs> somebody stop me, yeah. I wish they someone oh, had have, you exactly. know, said that to Tiger or whatever, uh, because, yeah, it's, it's, a mm. fu- it's hot garbage. He was certainly smoking pole when he came up with that idea. <laughs> at, at what point does one in their music career say, remember that dance craze from... 1995, 96. That's mm. that's 20 years ago. Let's bring that back. Yeah, I mean, it needs more racial hell. slurs and thirty-year-old yep. misogyny. Yeah, look, total it. trash. I mean, uh, look. Do you have anything else to say about the Macarena? Absolutely not. No, fuck. It sucks. <laughs> um, don't. Listen I mean, to it is it. still catchy. Don't yeah, get me wrong. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, no. There's no need for that. Yeah. Look, Lost El Rio, two point two million listeners on Spotify. Um, it's going to cost you thirty-one cents. And interestingly. The Lost, the Lost Elmar copy will also cost you 31 cents. 
So you can get both Lost El Rio and Lost El Mar <laughs> Macarena singles for a combined total of 61 cents, 62 cents. So um, if there's someone you really fucking hate, um, maybe give them that and the Macarena Christmas remix. Did you have any friends who knew how to do the Macarena at the time? Uh, I think like, like maybe ironically... <laughs> Two moves from not the whole thing. I knew you know, a couple like, of girls who yeah, yeah do like it. I don't know. I <laughs> I think by nineteen ninety six I was in that. This is the sort of period of time where um, I think I would, had definitely turned a blind eye to the pop charts. Yes, <laughs> yeah. So, no, I, like I know all these songs, but certainly from you yes. know the eighties and nineties, like I was I was watching Rage. I was watching the pop stuff. Whereas by this time, I was watching Rage at night time. Yes. I and know then, exactly what you, you mean. Know. I kept hearing people mention the Macarena, but I ne- I didn't actually know what they were talking about. Yeah. I just knew it was some dance thing. You'd hear it in like, you know, the... Yeah, or in Target or something. Exactly. And not make the connection because it doesn't, you know. Yeah. And then I remember seeing it finally and going, oh, is that what that was that everyone was talking yeah. about? But yeah, like you say, five years before, I would have definitely watched it on, you know... Absolutely. Countdown in the morning. Yeah. So look, that the sucks. The afternoon show with um, James Valentine. Yeah. Finishing off the year, um, mm, oh, big finish! Eleven, 11 weeks. weeks. That's that's right. effectively you know three months. Um, Spice Girls wannabe boom. Mm, their debut, their debut single. If you want to be my lover, you got to get with my friends. Does anyone know? Has anyone <laughs> ever figured out what the fuck that means? <laughs> well, it depends how Randy you're feeling at the time, I guess. <laughs> like, but as we'll get, you got to, to get with my. I assume it just means if you want to be my lover. Then you need to also respect yes. uh, my friendship with my friends. Yeah, not bang my friends. I assume they're not. Yes. They're not talking in that Although sort of territory. They're definitely. This song is not missing euphemism. So you know the, the idea that that had not occurred to them. I think you might be a bit naive to think that too. Yeah, absolutely. So look. Anyway, um, apparently, look. Everyone's heard this song. I don't need to talk about the background too much. <laughs> Everyone knows who the Spice Girls are. I assume. But apparently Mel B wrote the, uh, there's a rap, there's a rap bit in this song. <laughs> Here's a story from A to B. You're going to get with me, you know, bass in your face or some shit. Apparently she wrote this in the toilet. <laughs> she went to take a piss or something um, and was just sitting in the toilet. Penned the lyrics in eight minutes. See, I told <laughs> you, we go. needed a name for this. There's, this is another one. They said, um, apparently, uh, Wannabe was finished in half an hour like they had they had some beats and stuff that they'd used before but they were in the studio and they said it just they just did it all in a flurry of activity maybe she went out to the toilet then came back Melby's taking a dump to write the rap and And yeah the whole thing was recorded in less than an hour Yep. So yeah, the song was written by the Spice Girls and their producers Mike Stannard and Mike Rowe. Mm. Although the label didn't like the final version and said okay. it should be mixed by Dave Way, and he sent back a sort of R and B tinged version and more like a sort of rocky version, and the group hated his stuff, and so they sent it to five-time Grammy winner Mark Stent, who produced the final version. Okay. So it did take a bit of mucking around. Yeah, yeah, it does genuinely sound like it was a collaborative effort. It's not yep. like they were just handed this and sung. In fact, ironically, the 
only person who missed out was Victoria Beckham because she was like off sick or something. Oh, no. So she's got backing vocals on it, but she doesn't actually sing. And you notice it if you watch the video, yeah. like she opens her mouth at one point and it's sort of the camera kind of moves fairly quickly away before you can see that it doesn't actually match up with any words. Oh, she didn't have the best vocals anyway, let's face it. I, oh, don't, I don't really know. None of them really did. <laughs> sure. I think, um, I think yeah. she was a notch below but the yeah. others who were I'll give them well. credit yeah. for another thing too. The label wanted Say You Will Be There to be the debut oh, single. Yeah. But the band fought really hard for this one. Apparently they really had to push for it. Yeah. So props to them because this is way more fun than that song. Oh, yeah, that one's and more boring. And yeah. introduces their whole sort of hose before bros diet oh. right girl vibes way better. <laughs> the song introduces all the different people. You can see the sort of characters. Even the video is way better. Like the Say You'll Be There video is just them standing in desert throwing a CGI boomerang at some water bottles yeah, for some fucking reason. Sucks. This one's fun yeah. in the hotel and up the stairs and that shit. Yeah. So. It's just, it's a way better debut. You know? Yeah, oh, for even sure. Even though it is kind of wacky, it's still a bit weird. Like, yep. Even the video features them being more annoying than fun, yeah. really. They're just being absolute. Oh, not just that, but they're like being complete pricks to everyone at the big now, party. Is it like, a... They're just vandalising shit and throwing people's food away and stuff. <laughs> I don't know. Can you answer, is it is it a, a single shot? It looks like it is, but it's actually too... It's cleverly okay. put together. So they've done it twice, and they've sort of there's a cut. Yeah. There's only, but there's only one cut in there then. So uh, I think none. I don't know. I don't know if it's one cut or not, but it's two takes mixed together. But yep. it does look like one thing, and you can see them like because it's all indoors as well. It's going around through the building and stuff, and so you can see them like constantly like glancing over their shoulders to like see if they're about to walk backwards <laughs> into shit and stuff because it's like a kind of sort of like a clunky old stone cathedral but more like a museum than anything and there are all these there must be like 50 extras and stuff around who yep. all have to do various bits and pieces it must have been it is pretty impressive it must have been hard to do and there's shit like them they're all choreographed she's doing fucking backflips down the table yep. there's all sorts of shit you know just props and things hanging around and again when they went to, they gave it to the record company, the record company went, this is too loud and annoying and weird and there's like mistakes in it, like people looking behind them and stuff like that. Yeah. But they were like, nah, we want it, we think it's really good. And again, they were right. Like it was a massive hit. Like there was this American music journalist saying, I never even heard of fucking Spice Girls when I saw this. And then they was on MTV one time and it, like after watching the video once, I felt like, okay, I know who all these characters are supposed to be. I yeah. know what their different bits, their different personalities are meant to be and I get the whole vibe of the whole thing after a three minute song which is pretty cool you know absolutely right I think that video clip's iconic and you're right Tom you watch that video you go there's the sporty one there's the posh one who doesn't seem there's the scary one (laughs) there's the baby one (laughs) because she's black yeah that was I always found that weird it's like why is she scary spice again so um, you also can't help but notice that scary spice is not wearing a bra and it's fairly cold in that castle yeah and then the and ginger one she's the ginger one and she's Mm, got ginger hair so do you I feel with that Tom that they sort of went okay you know one of them just went Mel B was like oh look I wear tracksuits a lot of them quite active and they went you can be sporty spice yeah and then they went alright fuck yeah okay everyone has to have a personality what about you you're the youngest one you can be baby spice and it's just like oh and then they've just run out and just went (laughs) you got you got a handbag you can be posh spice I'm not sure 
if they gave themselves those names. I yeah. think they might have been given them by the tabloid. Oh, okay. Which might explain why the black one is the scary one, if it was the Jesus, Daily Mail. Probably, <laughs> yeah. But then, I mean, they kept using them, like they adopted they those things. And they, and they were dressed sort of match, you know, to match these things, as you say, like... Not, yeah, maybe but not it was scary. It was it was pretty tenuous, though. I think some of those links. So I think I preferred the you know the OG boy band formula of you know the boy next door, the wild card, the bad boy, etc. So sure. I think that sort of plays a bit better. But yeah, certainly. Um, look, yeah, you're right though. It sort of certainly set the scene. Everyone enjoyed this song. Um, years later, though, once the group broke up, Scary Spice, uh, sorry, Scary Spice claimed that she'd banged Ginger, Ginger Spice. Um, in a, she came out in an interview and said, "Yeah, me and Ginger Spice got together one day, hooked up, you know, good times, and then Ginger Spice uh, denied it, got a bit awkward, and then Baby Spice said that she felt left out of this non-event <laughs> gangbang type scenario. As, What's going on with the Spice Girls here? As a dude who turned eighteen uh, in nineteen ninety-six, I wouldn't be totally offended if we just talked about that for the rest of the episode. But you know. <laughs> Carry on. It's, it's, <laughs> it seemed like a bizarre sort of interview. It's also like, people might have already forgotten, but Scary Spice also uh, became pregnant with Eddie Murphy's she sure did. child, and Absolutely. he denied it, I think, and she had to sue him for paternity yeah, or something well, like that. It, it sounds like, like you'd scary. Be embarrassed sp- about that. She's a total babe. She's yeah. still a total babe. She's doing like Weight Watchers commercials and stuff now. She but, was on what's it? She was on The Voice or something recently, or The View, one of those fucking shows. Yeah, but look, there's certainly some repeat behaviour, isn't there? Where uh, you know Ginger Spice has oh, sort of yeah. said, "No, we didn't bone." And then uh, oh, I thought you were talking about Eddie Murphy. No, Eddie Murphy's the same. Oh. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying, though. Yeah, it's Scary true. Spice is like, yeah. And then I, you know, me and Ginger oh, looked okay. up, and Ginger's like, nah. And then Eddie Murphy's like. Oh, no. So I think... Um, I thought you were going to say that maybe Eddie Murphy had thought that Scary Spice was actually possibly a man under the outfit, <laughs> given his record. <laughs> Could be. Could be. I don't know. We'll find out. Who knows? Only time will tell. Look, um, they released 10 singles in the UK mm-hmm. um, in their career, and nine of them went to number one, so that's pretty good. The only one that didn't reach number one was Don't Stop. Right now, thank you very much. I need someone with a human touch. Mm. Um, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Look, I, I reckon this is a catchy song, Ben. I'm sorry. It's silly as hell, and there's about one and a half singers between the five of them. Yeah. But for the first single from a manufactured girl group, even if you hate it, you've got to admit that it is memorable. Yeah. But can you name the debut single for Backstreet Boys? <laughs> I Want It That Way? No. No, it's <laughs> We've Got It Going On. Oh. I thought it was Backstreet's Back, and I was like, no, it can't be Backstreet's Back, you dickhead, because they're back. Yeah. New Kids on the Block? Uh, The Right Stuff? No, it's Be My Girl. (sighs) Never heard of it. Or Take That? Want You Back for Good? Do What You Like. Uh. Even House of Love by E17 is primarily primarily remembered for the hats now. (laughs) Yeah. And if you think the Spice Girls are rough at singing, then brace yourself for a re-listen of that fucking song, (laughs) I tell you what. So, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it is, they they made a good decision for this as a debut one, and it's definitely, you know, it's definitely memorable. There was a poll in the UK, uh, there was the, I think it was, you know, some university, and they did did like 14,000 people, and they played them, uh, so 200 uh, starts of songs, like yep. the first 20 seconds of songs, and then they put together a, a thing of like th- to see which one over the average was the one that people could identify the fastest, 
and this had the, oh, hot, the okay. fastest speed. It was, I think it was this, then it was Eye of the Tiger, okay. and then it was another British pop song, something like Rick Astley or something yeah, like wow. that. But yeah, it is very recognisable, certainly. Yeah, yeah, totally. You know, definitely. No, that's pretty good. Um, look, they also sound like they've got some funny stories. The Spice Girls. Um, oh, apparently, sure. Mel B admitted to swiping toilet paper from Nelson Mandela's house. <laughs> So that that raises a As lot of questions. <laughs> I, why, why are the Spice Girls at Nelson Mandela's house in the first yes. place? How the fuck did that happen? And then, you know, Mel B. I mean, Mel B. writes her best lyrics while taking a dump. So as we've learned from this song, so she said to Nelson, "Just got to go snap one else. I've got some lyrics to write for a new song tomorrow. While I'm in there, just throw a roll into the handbag." And you know, she did love those baggy track pants, so maybe a few rolls, and then gets out of there. So I look, mean, maybe it was a souvenir, or maybe it was just that share house thing where you just go out on the town, and then you remember, yeah. oh fuck, we don't have any toilet paper at home. A bit of I'm at Nelson. Why not? So do that. Apparently, um, Victoria Beckham recalls that um, when they got their record deal, um, the girls just stole her underpants off her and threw them out a window. <laughs> So, how does that? We've just got a record deal. Why are you ripping my underpants off and throwing them out a window? That's pretty weird. Um, and apparently, Baby Spice once got sick in the car after a night of drinking, and some of the vomit got in Mel B's mouth. So, just great stories. I mean, great just a stories. Lot of fun. It's not. It's not quite up to the level of debauchery of, say, Marilyn Manson or something. No, but it does seem like they were having fun. Yeah, exactly. And Ginger Spice, I think, also um, pinched Prince Charles's bottom once, so <laughs> for sure. Fortunately, it wasn't Prince Andrew, because um, I don't know. Where, where did that happen? Where did that take place? Um, I think it was at the premiere of their film Spice World, <laughs> uh, which if you've seen that, that's fucking hot garbage, but a um, bit of fun. Again, as you said, a better question would be, what the hell Prince Charles was doing <laughs> at the premiere of the Spice Girls movie? He's yeah, lucky exactly. he didn't get sexually assaulted and then vomited on by a screaming pack of tween girls high on blue curacao <laughs> and incipient feminism <laughs> sort of what do you they seem to be the main fans is that what being a, is that you know he cuts ribbons at buildings you know he starts a charity goes to see Spice Girls film I guess it's part and parcel of the whole thing isn't it so I mean I do remember it did have Stephen Fry and uh, Richard E. Grant in it plus a whole bunch of every other British comedy person you could possibly think of so absolutely I don't yeah. know look uh, this one other thing, uh, yep. this contains only one sample. Ah. Again, I thought, I assumed that dan, 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 the thing that sort of powers the whole song would yep. be a sample, but it's not. It actually contains only one sample, which is a breakbeat from Hot Pants Brackets, I'm Coming in Brackets by James Brown <laughs> collaborator Bobby Bird. Now, you might recognize that little breakbeat if you hear it, because it's at the start of Fool's Gold by Stone Roses, that sort of. Do- It's also been used in literally 800 other songs, including Pump Up the Volume, Duran Duran, Madonna, Ramstein, I'm Too Sexy, Halcyon by Orbital, Charlie by The Prodigy, Public Enemy, New Order, Nine Inch Nails, Right on Time, Snap, U2, Bowie, Moby, Woody Allen, Danny Minogue, Kylie Minogue, Sir Mix-a-Lot, Starship Idleweiss, Yuvenotti, Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince, New Kids on the Block, Every Rapper in the Entire World, Vanilla Ice, and literally 750 other songs. And, of course, the one most people will know it from, One Shot Killer Pussy by Amen Andrews <laughs> and Spackhand Luke, which, you know, I'm sure we'll be getting to that next year. When... Yeah, we will, yeah, absolutely. 
Good to see Starship uh, Idlevice was in there too. <laughs> and you for not spoke about them. I didn't think we'd hear from either of them <laughs> ever again. No, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it does beg the question. Hot pants brackets. I'm coming in brackets. Came out in 1972. Did it take? 30 years before anyone else could figure out how to play a fucking breakbeat on a snare drum? Uh, yeah, look, apparently it must have taken forever because, um, yeah, I don't really know why Some of these someone things just play. get recycled infinitely. It's yeah. really weird. Yeah, what's that? Um, Isn't there that in films where someone does like a... Ah! Oh, the, the Heinrich scream. Yep. Yeah. That was more, more of a joke. Yeah, than it's, <laughs> exactly. But yeah, it's getting to that level. It's getting up to 800 films. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Look, um, yeah, look, that's a fun song. I think it's pretty fun. I've always liked the Spice Girls. Some of them are shitter than others. Uh, the, once When they get into ballad territory, because they can't really yeah. sing, it yep. gets kind of dog shit. But when they keep it upbeat, it's all yeah. good. So, absolutely. So, yeah, that's it for the year, Tom. Um, fantastic. Sure. You got some lyrical highlights for me before we knock oh, off? Oh, not much. I was just going to point out one thing, like, from that awesome rap. Is that, <laughs> uh, they've snuck in a little Ebenezer Good trick there. <laughs> so here's a story from A to Z. You want to get with me, you've got to listen carefully. We've got M in the place who likes it in your face. We've got G like MC. That's a weird cricketing <laughs> reference. Who likes it on an easy V doesn't come for free. She's real lady. That's an ecstasy reference. Really? But it's got to be. That's what it means. Like, it's, we've got two like MC who likes it on an E and she drags it in the next Easy. line. Easy. Yeah. I mean, the 13 year old audience wouldn't know that, but yeah, anyway. Fantastic. Done an Ebenezer good. Absolutely. Also, yeah, it's worth noticing that the first song that they recorded for the album, apparently, the lyrics were too filthy and they didn't put it on the album. Really? Like the record company's like, no, you can't fucking have that. So I'm like, oh, Fantastic. Okay. So obviously, they Massive were slightly respect. dirtier than their. Um, Reputation was thing. That's what I meant about the idea that you know that if you want to be my lover, you got to get with my friends. Yeah, I think you'd be naive to think that the other meaning of that had not occurred to them at some point. Yeah, no doubt. If they're so, throwing each other's underpants out the window at passing traffic and throwing up on Prince Charles, and, yeah. things are getting crazy um, <laughs> indeed. But look, uh, songs have peaked at number two. Unfortunately, some of my favourite songs. Oh, I can't believe no. it. So good. Boom, boom, boom by the Out There Brothers. <laughs> oh, boom, boom, and let me hear you say, well. Sure. Now, we've talked about this earlier, Tom, where there's there's uh, Boom, Boom by uh, yep. Paul Lukakis was mm-hmm. a number one that we hit. Yep. And then I think we're going to find out in the future, the Venga Boys, Boom, 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 I no, Want You was, In My Room. It was boom, there was Boom, 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 Let's Go Back To My Room. That was yep. Paul Lukakis. And then there's... Oh, Boom, Boom. I think I think that song's boom, just boom. called Boom, Boom. Yeah. And then there's Boom, 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 Boom by the Venga Boys. Yep. And this is three booms yep. in between. And I think that... There's people... also Boom, Boom, Boom by Johnny Lee Hooker. Did well. that make it to number one? Yeah, no, and it's not a dance song, so yeah. I should probably shut up. No, but I think <laughs> the point I'm trying to make is people only like uh, prime numbers with this. Yes. <laughs> yeah. They only like things... Yeah. No, sorry. Yeah. So... Four booms or two booms are fine, not prime numbers. I'm talking about uh, even divisible. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so the Out There Brothers, that one's fantastic. One Sweet Day by Mariah Carey and Boys to Men. Um, Be My Lover by LaBouche. Oh, so close. Fucking hell. That's that's one of my all time. LaBouche, you know. That's a true Euro beat. Oh, they're in my top four. I just (laughs) just call them. They're in the. What else did they have? Could you name any of them? Be My Lover. And then they've uh, they've got like one other hit. (laughs) 
So. <laughs> sure, I'm sure I'll I've let heard. you know. Yep. Um, missing everything but the girl. Goodness ah, your favourite. Yep. Uh, the X Files theme <laughs> by Triple X. If you remember that. What a time the nineties yeah. were. Yeah. Um, nobody knows by the Tony Rich Project. The theme from Mission Impossible. Oh yeah. There you go. That deserves. That's like a fucking. Um, that's like the 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 bloody I Dream of Genie one yeah. that was in that uh, that band from the previous year. Brink uh, Dimples D. Dimples D. Yeah. Where the, the credit for that entirely goes to the person who composed that original theme because the Mission Impossible theme is timeless. It's oh, like absolutely. one of the best TV themes of all time. They barely tweaked it. They just gave it a little bit of a techno beat. And well, what's yeah. better? Is it Mission Impossible theme by the two Adam Clayton and Larry Mullins from U2? Or is it when Limp Biscuit do the Mission Impossible theme? <laughs> oh my God, do they? remember how bad that is, <sighs> yep. Yeah. Um, the other LaBouche song is Sweet Dreams of a Rhythm and Dancing. Oh, uh, yeah. So it's good. <laughs> Return... he, didn't, he didn't need to look that up either, I should no, say. No, no, that's true. That is what I'm talking about. Return of the Mac by Mark. Morrison Return of the Mac uh, yep. um, The Other Macarena fucking hell yeah. Hero of the Day by Metallica oh, that sucks that sucked um, yeah and then a few other ones um, What's Love Got to Do With It Warren G <laughs> I forgot you yes there's a few other ones Breakfast at Tiffany's by Deep Blue Something which number three. Now that's one of the worst songs of all time it is dog shit I, that was so sketchy that I assumed that that was like an Australian uh, oh, yeah. one, like a one hit wonder but it's not it was a American yeah, I mean, it's just it's still a terrible song the lyrics are so fucking stupid I can't even understand it it's sort of like um, <laughs> you know the song's effectively yeah. you know about we don't have anything in common so why are we together in this relationship like oh we both like breakfast at Tiffany's hey. And then the next thing is she goes, yeah, from what I recall, we both kind of liked it. So mm. two people... Didn't even like it that much. Pe- yeah, two people sort of kind of enjoy the same film, but not yeah. that much. So let's stick together. No, fucking break up. I, I think reckon your be favourite part job. was probably um, the, the landlord anyway. Absolutely. Spaceman by Babylon Zoo. <laughs> Did you know... Spaceman. Do you know that's, a, that's one of my favourite stories <laughs> of a song? That how, it's a number one, it was a number one song in the UK. And you know how we talked earlier today about Shaggy being in the Levi's ad? Yeah. So Levi's ads in the UK, uh, there was a period of time where oh, apparently okay. they got all that. So anyway, yeah. so what happened was uh, Babylon Zoo released this song called Spaceman that you know how it has that really high pitched yes. going Spaceman at the start. Mm-hmm. That's not in the original song. The original song is just like a post grunge regular song. Oh, okay. But the B side or whatever, they, they pressed up a single and a DJ did a remix that does mm. that. Spaceman thing. Yep. It was so a club DJ was playing it one night at the wrong speed, so it was extra fast, and uh, extra yeah. high pitched. And two dudes that walked in from like an ad company, I think that were doing the ad for Levi's, heard oh, that and went, "What's that? What's that?" So they 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 said, "We want that." <laughs> so they played just the high pitched Spaceman sort of dancey bit in the <laughs> okay. Levi's ad yep. before the song had come out. So everybody heard that and then they went, they thought that this? was What's the this? song. So they went and pre-ordered <laughs> and the pre-orders went ape shit. So then when it came out, they'd sold so many copies it went straight to one number one in the UK. But that's the first like 10 seconds of the song. <laughs> yeah. Then it just goes into this really annoying like yeah, it's not post-grunge shitty song. So yeah, it sort of made its way to number one off of fucking by tricking the general public into buying it. So, power to Babylon Zoo. Massive respect to that. 
Um, ironic, Alanis Morissette reached number three. Oh, it's ironic. It's <laughs> stupid. It is. Like uh, the song, it's not it, ironic. <laughs> exactly. And then other major hits were... Um, oh, the theme song for the for Friends. But... The fri- oh, yeah, I'll Be There For You by the Rembrandts. <laughs> theme song from Friends, I Want You Savage Garden, California Love oh, by yeah. Tupac. Um, Sometimes When We Touch by Newton. That need to Ooh, uh, Just a little bit. <laughs> Gina G. Um, Children by Robert Miles. Mother, Mother by Tracy Bonham. Glycerine by Bush. Bush often credited with being the official end of the grunge era because <laughs> the they were just some fucking upper, <laughs> upper middle class... British private school Absolutely. students just pretending to be Kurt Cobain. Yeah, pretty. that is the end of grunge. I Mind think. you, I did like that album at the time because I was 18, so <laughs> whatever. Oh So Quiet by Bjork, Digging On You, TLC. Um, <laughs> that Girl by Maxi Priest with Shaggy. There yeah, you go. absolutely. Just a backup collaboration yep. to bring in the year. Let's Make It A Night To Remember by Brian Adams, <sighs> the, 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 year, the night to remember that goes for a whole fucking year. Um, Blue by Leanne Rimes and one of my personal favorites, Tom Lump, <laughs> By the presidents of the United States of America. What the fuck were they about? You, we, you can't even blame Australia for that because that song was a top ten hit in Europe and a big hit in Canada and America too. Well, what was your favourite president song, Tom? Was it Lump? Was it June Buggy? <laughs> was it I'm moving to the country, I'm going to eat a lot of peaches? peaches. I mean, I so many. My favourite uh, presidents of the United States of America fact is that, did you know that in the late 90s, they formed a rock hip-hop group called Subset with Sir Mix-a-Lot. <laughs> They toured and recorded a few songs, but broke up when Sir Mixalot wanted to take the band in a harder, more electronic direction. They weren't into that. Jesus Christ! I mean, that's, that's fantastic. That's the nineties thing I've heard, and I'd never even heard of that subset. There you go. I managed even on YouTube. I can only find one. There's one wow. song of theirs. The presidents of the United States of America and Sir Mixalot <laughs> together. <laughs> At last, you know, people have been dreaming about it for years, you know. I'm surprised that, you know, the world didn't implode or something <laughs> like that. It seems completely crazy. So, look, that's great. So, they're the songs that didn't make it. Unfortunately, this year, um, I probably would have had more to say about the songs that reached number two or three. Cause yeah, no, that some last list in was there, way so. more interesting. Absolutely, sort of, yeah. yeah. I might go listen to Boom, Boom, Boom by the Out There Brothers right now, I think. <laughs> so, um, fantastic song. But, yeah. So, anyway, thanks for listening. Um, We've set up a YouTube channel with all the songs on there. Oh, so, really? Oh, cool. Well, it's a, a playlist. So yeah, it's, in the, it's in the description. So if you want to watch all the music videos oh, to yeah, this, they're all on there. Um, and I might add the Out There Brothers as a bonus track. <laughs> just why not? Um, and also we have an Instagram, Sunglasses at Night podcast Instagram, which it's, there's fuck all on there, but it's just um, some... I think every time a new episode comes out, I'm just going to post a picture on there. Sure. And there's like a, and the links to listen to this if you we'll want throw to. Throw in so. some dick pics, you know, if that's what people want. That's, Absolutely. Is that what people want? I think that's what people uh, want. I don't know whether they want that on Instagram. That might be more of an OnlyFans thing, but <laughs> I'm not quite sure. Wait and see. So anyway, thank you. pics, I mean photographs of Richard Wilde from Wild and Reckless. Obviously not, <laughs> not penises. That'd be gross. That would be gross indeed. So yeah, thank you very much for listening and we'll see you next week for 1997. Don't want to give anything away, but the first couple of weeks of 1997 is going to be a bit more wannabe <laughs> by the Spice Girls. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye.